This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show. Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. So, we're going to tell your story today. But first, we're going to talk about pride. Dude, we, I, I had a great time. Yeah, we had a perfect spot. Yeah. So tell 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 us about like the spot we had there, man. Well, I had it was my first time at Pride, so it was really awesome. But we were right in front of those protesters, and yeah, we were. It was so cool because by the time the parade actually started, all the people that brought the big banners to block them out and stuff—I mean, you couldn't even hear those guys. Yeah. And then I we noticed at the end there, the police had moved them back even like probably mm-hmm. at least another thirty feet. Back. At least thirty feet, yeah. And I don't know if that was kind of like on purpose. <laughs> there you go. So Dave's nodding his head. Yes, yeah. it was on purpose. It's so on purpose. Just so you know. He, he might have some inside info there. Well, I don't know how they do it. So I'm not going to pretend to know that. But I definitely know that it was a, it's a purposeful technique. Right? You know what I think it is, though? I think it is because they had like a line, two lines of the bicycle. Yeah. And those kind of, I think if everybody on the line just kind of takes one step back. Yeah. And nobody knows it. And then one yeah. step back. And before you know it, you're 20 feet away. That's right. And the people that are you're trying to push away don't even really notice because they're focused on yelling yeah. homophobic bull crap. Well, so. and, and I think you're right because I, I well yeah. that doesn't mean they didn't argue with the police during that thing. Like I guess yeah. from our perspective, it seemed like it was seamless. It really we did, couldn't yeah. hear them anymore, right? Nope. Like no. Nope. And and that was pretty cool to not be able to hear them. Yeah. Because yeah. when we first got there, and this loudmouth crazy larry gets on the <laughs> megaphone and he's going about you're going to hell blah blah stinking blah if, if you do these things um obviously obviously if you're proud to be gay or something like that you're you're going to hell yeah like and i, I just at first it made me like super uncomfortable yeah. and then i remembered that's why we went to that spot yeah so i was still super uncomfortable and i really want to tell you i appreciate you uh your voice of reason when I said, hey, man, how did, would you feel about going to jail today? Because <laughs> I was starting to get really mad listening to this guy. And, um, you know, so thanks for that. Yeah, well. And I wouldn't do that. So normally, <laughs> the reason I bring it up actually is yeah. because there's a part of me that thought I was different than that. Yeah, yeah. That I wouldn't get caught up in it. Yeah, yeah. But I got caught up in it. Really? Eh? I did for about 10 minutes. I got caught wow. up when the, um, and as, as the big banner came out and yeah. it was mentioned that they were 
probably Antifa, right? The, I think so, but I don't know for we sure. We don't yet. know for sure, but Antifa was potentially And they had their faces covered just like Antifa. So. Yeah, exactly. So we, we, we're not, I'm not saying that's who they were. I'm just saying that's what we heard. Yeah. So they brought the, the banner out. And I got to tell you that even though they were, they were chanting just to try to be louder than the other guy, it yeah. was, it was like, because they were chanting love. Yeah. Right. I got caught up in that. Wow. And and so the I did, man. And then the, you and I have talked about this, and I'll talk more about it as I share this my story. But um, I got caught up because I had been pent up for so long. Like, mm. This is my third pride, right? And yeah. uh, um, I've been bisexual my whole life. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't been open about it, and it's been a dirty little secret for so long that now I just feel extra like extra good there. Right, like yeah. extra, extra able to be myself. What's well, like your place, right? dude? That's like that's right. That's what it feels like. It like feels nobody's like, gonna judge you there. Yeah, this except is those home. four losers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and don't like he's not exaggerating. There was literally four. There was these, four four d bags who were all about like you know <laughs> God sending um, homosexuals to hell. Like, and actually, garbage. weren't they four guys? Yeah, literally four guys. And two of them, I would say, were easily over the age of sixty. Well, one's probably in his 50s. Okay. Because I know him from before. Yeah. And I won't okay. say his name because I'm so disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and then the other two were maybe mid-30s, I yeah. think. Right? Yeah. They were younger guys. But yeah. But for me, that's what I thought. Because oh, when you hear protesters and stuff, like I think maybe even in previous years, they've had mm. more protesters. I don't know. But yeah, I just found like when you got there and there was four. And when, of course, when we first got there, there was hardly anybody there. Dude, like seriously, what kept Crazy Larry there? Yeah. But as soon as it started to fill up and you started to see the crowds gathering and we were still 20 minutes away from seeing the parade yeah. and it was, you couldn't see the sidewalks anymore. They, it was just shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Like I was like, there's like, I think they said officially there's like 30 to 40,000 people there. Yeah. Unreal, and four man. protesters. Like. To there be honest, that scattered. was... Oh, was there? I saw them, but they weren't, like, together. They were separate. Yeah. So, I, totally disorganized, right? Completely. And that actually really surprised me. Yeah. Because I... Yeah, because there's so many people that are, you know, it's Adam and Eve, not whatever. Not Adam and Steve. <laughs> yeah, that's stupid What crap. a stupid thing to say, hey? But I just, I just assumed that there would be a much bigger yeah. push. But I think... I don't know if it's just nobody they don't get the effect that they want i i, they don't I would get imagine attention they want like yeah. especially this year oh yeah they didn't even get seen like i asked my daughter and my and my wife that were in the march um with voices uh and i said could you see crazy larry and his buddies mm -hmm. and they're like we didn't even know they were there yeah. had no idea they were there because they're at street level and then you got you know people like 10 or 15 people deep oh yeah before you get then, and then it's another 20 feet before the big banner yeah. with the Antifa people. And so just, I think from the street level, unless you were really high up on yeah. those floats, I don't think you were going to see them at all. That's a good point. Man. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that most 90% of people in the parade yeah. did not see them. And I, I've heard the same thing. The feedback was they didn't even know they were there. Yeah. Because, and I, and so until I told them, and yeah. then they're like, really? I'm, yeah. Like there was no chance. First of all, You've got at the front of the group with us where we were standing, we were about 10 yeah. or 15 people in front of the banner, the big, yes. the big potentially Antifa banner that said, you are loved on it. 
Yeah, and it was um, huge, huge. Almost covered the whole road. It was like a blackout screen, basically. It was, yeah. So they were they were switched on when they made this banner be that yeah. big and that broad. Oh, and they were coordinated. Like if the guys tried to move to one side, they yeah. were this way and move the banner. <laughs> This way, awesome. move it back up, and they put yeah. it up. Like, it was the yeah. perfect Higher, block. and it goes up. Yeah, yeah, it was perfect. It was awesome. And yeah. and besides that, the people in the parade, what I noticed was, holy free Jesus hugs. That was hey? awesome. Like, that yeah. was amazing. So yeah. next to us was, like, a, the some of the group of um, the people who bought the banner out, and then there was angels and free Jesus hugs. Yeah. And Jesus had like a, he was a guy dressed up as Jesus, obviously, just in case someone out there is like, what do you mean Jesus was he there? Was, he came, came he back? He came back just for pride? Yeah, he came back for Calgary Pride. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> anyway, there's this dude dressed up like Jesus and he's got a sign that says free Jesus hugs. Yeah. Literally, I took 1,400 pictures wow. of that parade. And as I was going through them, Crap. I know, dude, trust me when I say after I went through them, I did not want to touch my camera and I haven't touched <laughs> it since. I haven't because it's a lot of pictures and it's like brain mush, right? Oh, yeah. But what I noticed, dude, was as people were coming in the parade, I have so many pictures of people running towards Jesus to give him yeah. hugs. Or lighting up when they or see him. Or lighting up yeah. when they see him, right? Yeah. Like it, it was fascinating to me because I think really... It could have been anyone, but free hugs. Yeah. And who better to get free hugs from than someone who you may have been told yeah, yeah. hated you. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Or you may have been told didn't support you or whatever. Well, and he showed up with the people with the banner. Oh, yeah. So when, like, when we were first there, it was the banner people, basically about a dozen of us, including him. So like, it was really mm -hmm. quite a protest Against the protesters. Oh, yeah. But then once the crowd got there, like, again, from him to the protesters, you wouldn't even been able to see. Yeah. Agreed. So it was it was pretty awesome that way. And, um, I mean, there's no, like, violence or anything. <laughs> dude, I'd have been so hung up if I was in the parade. Even if that the guy, the crazy dude's banner was up higher. Yeah. I would have been so blown away by the free Jesus hugs. Yeah. You could, like, you could tell. People weren't looking up anyway. Oh, no. And if they looked up, they saw we, you are loved. Yeah. And then they would probably look back down. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. No, it was it was pretty awesome, and it, for my first time being there, it was great. Yeah, like, dude, what did so you much feel fun. being there for the first time? Well, it's it's funny because it's just a place where everybody's it's like everybody's happy to be there. I mean, other than Crazy Larry and his three friends, <laughs> his but it, three friends, but like Poor Crazy Larry, <laughs> yeah. And and I think if anybody really wants a good laugh, they should go to Twitter, find Larry Heather, and. Don't get upset with what he says because that's why we're all we all call him Crazy Larry. Yeah, but then just read the responses to what he posts. Yeah, because there's some phenomenal trolls that are trolling yeah. him hard, and he I don't even think he gets it. Like I think he really thinks they're engaging in conversation. Yeah, and they just mock him the whole time, yeah. and it's it's nothing but entertaining. It's sort of mentioned like just about the name Crazy Larry. Like we're not we're not making fun of mentally ill. Not at all. Here's the thing, Larry is legitimately the de definition of that slang word that was used yeah, yeah. with people he, he we don't know maybe he is mentally ill and if he is well you know hopefully he gets some help right? yeah i hope so too. I, I i don't know his life at all so i don't want to pretend to but we're, we got to call him crazy lyric because that's what everybody knows him well and i call him that just simply because that's one of the trolls when i first read larry mm -hmm. heather or yeah larry heather's tweets i was like what is this guy and that was one of the first trolls was like, hey, Crazy Larry's back at it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. 
Um, somebody, so yeah, it's just yeah. Somebody mentioned that to me when I was down at OP, like you know, COP downtown. Yeah, yeah. No, Olympic Plaza. OP. Oh, Olympic Plaza. Yeah, COP, not that one, <laughs> the downtown one. Fuck. Um, <laughs> somebody's like, dude, did you hear Crazy Larry? And I was like, who the heck is Crazy Larry? This was probably a year ago. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I I don't pay attention to that shit, yeah. man. Like I'm like, if you got bad stuff to say, I'm probably just gonna walk on by, right? Like, well, and he's such a weird guy because he just hates everything. Like they. The reason that I even found out almost because when they put in the the bike lanes to as a trial, <laughs> yeah, he like went berserk. Was he? He was, was trying he to call for head or oh, what? He was. He was. You know, we got a. I don't even like. I don't know if you call it impeaching or whatever, but <laughs> he wanted uh, to overthrow city council. He wanted they should all be kicked out because they're violating their oaths or something, and he just went nuts. And to the point where he even went down to City Hall during, like, um, I, I guess they had some open mic, like, public things. And he would go and just rail on them about these bike lanes. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the bike lanes were already in. People were using them. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, Armageddon was coming because they put in bike lanes. Like, yeah. just, and I was like, that's kind of an irrational reaction to a bike lane. <laughs> for, like... <laughs> For a guy who doesn't even work downtown, and he's freaking out about the downtown bike lanes, I'm like, so that's how I got to know him. And then yeah. I, you know, of course, then you see like all of his anti, his mm. homophobic stuff, his anti-immigrant stuff. Yeah. Like he just hates everything. Oh. So he does clearly have something wrong with him. Yeah, but, and and that's fair that he can be diagnosed by other people, not us, because really, yeah. we're not in a position to do that anyway. <laughs> but and, you put yourself out there like that. Yeah, you, you sure do. Yeah. Right. You mentioned uh, his when he was he complains about immigration and stuff like that. This is something I wanted to point out as well that I really loved about the parade was when a group I don't know which group it was that came together, um, but it was a group of uh, folks from different parts of the world that now live here in Canada and call it home. And they said their sign said, didn't they? They didn't say we love it here. Yeah. Yeah. We love it here. The The, the immigration, whatever whatever group it was that put this together, thank you. I think that might have been the Center for Newcomers. Center for Newcomers. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. And I'm sorry I, I got that wrong. But um, it was interesting because then on the way home, and I probably will get a ticket for this, but on the way home, <laughs> when I used a, a porta potty, because uh, there's no nothing obviously free down, uh, open down by the parade, but we... I'll let oh, you tell. Yeah. I'll let you tell your first scooter experience on your cell on your own. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we grabbed scooters and we flew out to the bike path. And so I went into a porta potty to um, do business. And we had just come from this parade, which is all love, right? Like yeah, it's all love. And so some asshole um, rode inside the porta potty. Uh, all immigrants go home. Yeah. Right. And so I scratched it out and said and. I scratched out go home, go, and said all immigrants are home. Yeah. And I left it in there. So, yeah, okay, I owe somebody a ticket for writing on a portable toilet. Now you don't. Well, it's public art. Now. Yeah, either way, it's public art. And I don't want to see that shit, right? And Absolutely. I don't, and, and you know what I don't, I don't want to just not see it. I don't want to see it and ignore it. Yeah. Right? Like, you know. um, it's not okay to ignore it. It's no, not man. okay to have that no. shit written somewhere. Absolutely. Um, we live in Canada, man. Yeah. Okay. Let's remember where we live. Well, it's funny. And like one of the things about pride, and then I have another story, but um, 
I found out that the Filipino community, mm-hmm. which had a huge float in there. And huge, beautiful huge float. Yeah. That was their first beautiful. year ever doing it. Really? Yeah. And it was, so it was a really big deal for the entire Filipino community yeah. to put that float in there. So I just wanted to give a shout out for that. I'm glad you did because when, it, when I was taking pictures of it, when we were watching yeah. it, all I could think about was my sister, right? And her family from the Philippines because yeah, my yeah. sister-in-law is Filipino. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I, I got to tell you. It was awesome to see that. And they had so many people. So many people, like, dude. Wow. And it was one of the those, bigger ones. Yeah. How about those dresses? Yeah, yeah. The tails of the dresses Absolutely. that came all the way back. Like, yeah. un- of the dress, I guess. Unreal. You know, and, and it's funny such because- creativity there. It, it's, it's such a family event. Like, mm-hmm. there were so many little kids, you know, getting Jesus hugs or getting yeah. noisemakers and just having fun. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think, like, my own daughter's been going, I don't know, since she was four or something, and- like she loves pride. Mm-hmm. Like the, this is, she starts talking about it the beginning of August mm-hmm. and we start making plans already. Like that's yeah. how much she loves it. I think and awesome. uh, what's really cool is she's had friends who, whether they identify within that community mm-hmm. or not, um, who want to experience pride. And yeah. so she's, she actually, it was like her second or third year. One of her friends came with mm-hmm. her. And now she comes every year. And then now this year she had another friend join. So, and she wants to come back next year. Mm-hmm. So my daughter's creating this like little group of 12 year old friends of hers. Mm-hmm. That's, and I think that's just really cool. I think it's bloody awesome. dude. Yeah. And my daughter had her first GSA meeting that like three days before that at school. Nice. So yeah, it was pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Speaking of your daughter and one of her friends, one of her friend's sisters saw pictures that I took because I got really good. I got a really good picture. Well, I, I'm going to just qualify that. I believe I got a really good picture of your daughter. Yeah. Lee in the center of two different groups. Yeah. And right next to her is one of her friends. Yeah. So her friend's sister, that oh, sister yeah, of yeah. the friend, yeah, yeah. messaged me and said, thank you so much for getting a picture of my sister. And I said, who's your sister? And then we talked and I said, oh, I love yeah, Michelle yeah. and Darcy. Like, they're awesome. Yeah. yeah, they're great. Like, it's it's that kind of stuff that I, I just think, it's why we do this kind of shit. Well, it is. And it's like, there's so many people there just happy and, and, and want mm-hmm. free hugs. Like so many people were given free hugs. And, oh man. You know, stuff like that. Like, it's like, how can you not enjoy that? Like, yeah. how can you hate that? Like, I don't understand that. Like you go God. there, you just get caught up in it. Like mm-hmm. there was moments where I, I realized like I wasn't even paying attention to videotaping. Mm-hmm. I was like, it was like videotaping half of the building in the street. Cause I was like, oh man, <laughs> this is so cool. Like all, everybody's just so happy. And then I'd be like, oh crap. Yeah. Get this back in center, but it just, it, it just, it's, it's mm-hmm. overwhelming. It is. And you don't see that almost any, any other time no. of year. I've I, never seen that. I don't see it anywhere else. But then again, no. like I make a point to go to pride because yeah. now, now it's like, um, it's like a homecoming. Right. And I, I try to describe that to people, I guess it's, it's like being able to tell your truth finally, you know, like yeah. for, for all the time that I spent trying to kill it yeah. and make it not true. It, it's like, finally able to and i think when people think about pride maybe some people who aren't members of that community right like of our community there um it might be hard to understand why why we really need pride right totally and the truth is it's not just it's not just for me and i recognize that so i'm not trying to be completely selfish but i (laughs) but i do want to say that it is for me but it is yeah it is it's partly there for me so Mm -hmm. that i as a middle-aged dude i can be okay as myself because i know lots of people who can't be 
right? You feel they can't be, right? Well, and especially there, like that's, you don't even like, I would imagine, because I, I don't know, but I would imagine it's probably one of the few times where you can just publicly be there. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to people, there's no explaining, mm-hmm. there's no questioning. It's just cool. Okay. Like it, it yeah. almost is not even relevant. It's like the you one know? day where you it's can be not relevant. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I kind of liken it to the one day that uh, people in that community like yourself can feel like all the straight people feel every day. Yeah. Because you can go out in public. Yeah. You don't even have to worry about it. You yeah. can stand there on the street and have fun and enjoy yep. your life. Just like everybody else gets to all year long without having to think, I don't know if that person's safe and I don't know if I should tell them. Mm. And you know what I mean? Like that that's yeah. the impression I got. Yeah. I could be totally wrong because I'm totally a straight dude. But I just like that's what Not I Not according to the people that were next to us at the parade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's how I imagine it. Yeah. Feeling. And uh like for me, it almost makes me sad that people mm-hmm. only get one day of that because I get every day like that. Yeah. But it, at the same time, I think it's really important, obviously. Mm-hmm. The other thing I, um, I guess the only really last thing I have to say about pride before we get into your story. Um, but <laughs> well, we're one, kind of telling my story right now. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But the one thing that I, I uh, really think, and now I've, I've pulled a Dave here and totally lost my train of thought. I love it. It's fucking contagious. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Oh, I, I was going to say, to me, it, it kind of seems like, um, like in our lifetime, you know, like being gay and gay sex and stuff mm-hmm. was still illegal. Yeah. Uh, and it just reminds me, it, like I know that it's supposed to some people, mm-hmm. it's like supposed to be all about inclusion and love, but it really started as a protest. Yeah. And I think the thing for me now is it's, it's really just a reminder that within my lifetime, mm-hmm. that was still illegal. Yeah. Like it was, you would go to prison, federal mm-hmm. prison for that. Yeah. And people did. And I think, that's a really hard thing to remind yourself because you think mm-hmm. of it like like a lot of issues in, in the world today. You think, oh, that would happen in the past, right? Yeah. That was all. But it was our it was my lifetime. Yeah. Like my I might have been little when that but we were still here. But I, I was born. Yep. But when it was illegal. And I'm just like, man, that's crazy. It's also our lifetime when governments were letting people with AIDS just die. Yeah. That's in our lifetime. Right? Absolutely. Because it was yeah. a gay disease. It was totally, a gay, it was right? all about gay men. And if you weren't a gay man, you wouldn't get it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And gay men started it. You guys, everybody knows, right? It wasn't started by gay people. Absolutely. Right? Like we yeah. just, we know that. Uh, hopefully you know that. And if well, you don't and, know that, then, and if you think it's God punishing gay people, like that's what AIDS came about, fuck you. Yeah. All I'm going to say is fuck you. Yeah. If that's what you think. And you can you can write in, you can call in, you can do whatever you want because <laughs> my answer is not going to change. Yeah, no. Because no, <laughs> I know some people who lost family during mm-hmm. that time because nobody cared. Absolutely. Nobody gave a shit. Like everybody was just like turning their back on these folks. And so, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even to like today now, I mean, there's still the stigma, but the reality mm-hmm. is today it's not a death sentence. Exactly. And today, right? and, and well, unless you live in the States where it's like, crazy amount of money for the mm-hmm. medication but yeah. you know you can live a full life yeah with with hiv was that you that so. was telling me um this is totally off topic by the way this isn't about like anything to do with the lgbtq2s plus community this yeah. is about like sexually transmitted infections and diseases uh, was it you that was talking about like the drop in aids rates has because people aren't afraid to get aids anymore 
Oh, no, I don't think so. So someone was telling me this, and I, honest to God, like if you check wow. this and I'm totally off, it's because I have a shitty memory. Um, but I was told that uh, the, the, the situations of AIDS or diagnosis of AIDS has dropped, but what's risen considerably is syphilis. Really? Yeah, like considerably mm. because people aren't afraid of AIDS anymore. Wow. Right? Because it's, okay. it's less likely because yeah, yeah. fewer people have it. Yeah. And fewer people are contagious, I guess. Again, I'm I'm passing on information that I wasn't fully aware of when I received it. <laughs> so I wasn't aware it was gonna come back to haunt me, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But it was it's it's kind of fascinating, hey? Yeah. It's it's like um probably occurrences of herpes too. I would imagine if you're into that lifestyle, that's probably more prevalent. Yeah, I've been married for like 23 years or something. Yeah, so you're like, basically I'm, out of this conversation. Yeah, I'm like totally, I have no yeah. idea what it's like. But yeah, no, it was, I, I just had a blast. Of Thanks for bringing that so. up though about the protest. Because yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. That's where it started. And and the, the luxuries that I get to enjoy are because people gave their lives for it. Right? Yeah. And so I don't take that for granted. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons why we're talking about this right now is because all month of September we're doing Pride. Yes. We have people who, who are coming in. Um, tonight's going to be me because our other guest was was ill, um, but we're going to get him back. Um, I can't wait to sit down and talk to Bullbad. Like, I yeah, just yeah. can't wait. His story is incredible. Yeah. Um, but so we're we're celebrating Pride this month. And and what that is, is just Pride in the journey of, of coming out, maybe, of, of being out, the, the process, because I don't. I don't know if I could really describe how complicated it can be for people, but I think the fact that a lot of kids commit suicide due to it, mm-hmm. it should probably let you know if you're not quite sure how serious it is. Yeah. Right? Because it's Absolutely. not a little thing. Not at all. And I try to take my life because of it. And yeah. the the difference is, is that I was terrible at that kind of thing. And I didn't... <laughs> thank God for that. Well, now now I'm thankful well, for it. Thank yeah. the universe for that. Yeah, but thank God for it. But, yeah. um but now I'm thankful for it, but yes. I wasn't always, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, because I get more thankful for the fact that I'm still alive, the more I am myself. The more yeah. I represent who I fully believe I am, yeah. the less I want to die. Yeah. And and so coming to that point, and then I'll go back and I'll, I'll take you back through the story from the beginning a little bit, but to come to a place as a human now, where first of all, I can consider myself a human, um, because I don't feel like I'm fucked up and like garbage and all that stuff. Cause that's what I thought of myself for a long time, but I don't, I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay if it happens. I'm not like against it or anything like that in terms of like whatever time I have, I have, but, but it's interesting because recovery has brought me to a place I never thought I'd get mm-hmm. to a place where when I'm sitting by myself, um, maybe I'm meditating or, or praying and, um, I don't, I don't want to not be here mm-hmm. today. Right. And a lot of that has to do with you, with this podcast, with pride, with the people that have come into my life over the last few years. And I say mm-hmm. the last few years, not discounting who has been in my life, obviously yeah, prior yeah. to that. I just, it's just that one of the things I've learned about recovery is that periods of time go by and then things shift and then yeah. periods of time go by and then things shift again. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the periods of time are, are great chasms of time. And by that, I mean like years maybe, mm-hmm. but other times it's days. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the cool thing about 
sobriety that I would like to pass on, right? Is that we just don't know what's coming. For sure. Right? Like if we, we just don't know, like if I'd have given up, if I'd have taken my life when I, last time I thought about it, which was when I first found out that I was going to have back issues for the rest of my life. Um, it was the last time I really considered it and, and thought about taking, taking it. Um, no, it was, okay, sorry, I lied, right? Was, I think that's the last time, but the last time was um, around my last surgery. It was the last time mm -hmm. I really thought about it. Yeah. Um, because pain sucks. And everybody knows that pain sucks, yeah, yeah. right? So I, now this chronic pain is driving me back towards that pit sometimes. But mm -hmm. um, overall, the last couple of years, I just, and today, I just, I don't want to. Right? I don't want to. I don't want to be gone because there's, um, and don't get me wrong, it's okay if it happens. Like I just yeah. don't want it to happen. Well, life is yeah. life, and it takes one direction. Yeah, and it and it takes people when it's time, right? Like, yeah. you know, um, that's amazing. You could come that far though, like where you go from that's an acceptable thing in your mind to, yeah. wow, I really don't want to do that. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, and you know, part of it, and this is a part of a big part of my story, a, a part of that change and that i i am giving i am attributing to this and of course i might think differently as time goes on and i'm perfectly okay with changing my mind right one of the transitions that i've made over the last few years anyway was determining that i'm agnostic right mm -hmm. was determining that i'm an agnostic and i'm no longer christian right so um that was a big deal for me like and i didn't realize how big of a deal it was so some of my friends a few years ago they probably recognized that i was turning agnostic right yeah. Um, I didn't really see it until kind of time went by and I didn't to account for what it meant. Right. Right. Um, so one of the neat things about being sober and, and just continually seeking, I think whether you're sober or not, you can seek like mm -hmm. it's not just for people who don't drink or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I mean, in my case, I just hadn't taken that opportunity until I was sober yeah. to like actual, actually ask questions about what it was. I was believing, right? And in terms of that, I'm specifically talking about Christianity. So once, but once my brain, and this is going to sound probably pretty funny and maybe, maybe ludicrous too, but once my brain released Christianity, I, a big part of me didn't want to die anymore. So I am not suggesting. Wow. Yeah. And I know this, it sounds kind of crazy. So, um, but it's what happened. It was, it's what happened. Yeah. I, I said to one of my closest friends, I said, I'm not a Christian anymore. And, mm -hmm. and, and they, and he said, Oh, that's cool. He's like, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I didn't really think of you as a Christian anyway. Yeah. Right. Like, um, so it was kind of like other people knew ahead of time, right? Much like my alcoholism, it, it, yeah. other people knew ahead of time. It's almost like when people come out and there are people, there are people that are like, uh huh. Well, it, we kind of knew. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, but it's because I don't, I don't always know what I'm saying half the time, especially if I go speak somewhere. Do you think that that has a lot to like just um like deep down inside you must have known for a long time that yeah like the whole Christianity edicts yeah. weren't necessarily yours yeah not that you don't believe in God or anything like nope, that not but, at all but so it's like you're hi still hiding something right mm -hmm. and do you like I think that was that's probably the hardest thing to live with is if you hide something yeah so deeply part of you yeah. you know such as spirituality or your sexuality mm -hmm. or you know, whatever. Um, but something's so ingrained in you. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like you're hiding what your favorite food is. 
Yeah. Well, it's, and it's, and it's, it's something very serious. Yeah. And it's something very serious and also subconscious. Yeah. Right? Well, like, and your whole family was Christian. Yeah. You were raised Christian. Yeah. Like, that's a hard thing to let go. And, and you know what? Like, even that yeah. is, a, it, like, you're right. It's very hard. It's much like recognizing that you're bisexual or gay yeah. or maybe you're identifying as a member of the opposite sex. Like, these things are complicated. Yeah. And and so now to people who weren't raised in the church, it may be hard for you to understand that being raised a Christian and living 40 years as a Christian, even if you weren't practicing, mm-hmm. that stuff is still in your brain. It's in the back right? of your It's head in the back time. of my head. It was in my back of my head all the time. Um, now, I, again, I don't believe that that was my worst issue. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no, for sure. Like, but. Because that's why it's taken 15 years of sobriety to get to a place where I'm comfortable with it is because it wasn't pressing. Like, yeah, it wasn't the top priority on shit you had to Totally, deal with. right? Like, it wasn't yeah. because, frankly, I, I knew I had, I, I was building a spiritual connection to something, right? Mm-hmm. And, and whatever that is, I'm fucking cool for it to change whenever it needs to change. Yeah. But that's the difference now yeah. is that I like genuinely heartfelt, it's, it's okay. Like, yeah. it's really cool, whatever comes of this. Um, if you really want to freak a Christian out, if you really want to, and I'm just going to put this out there because like, you know what? I like freaking people out. I bet you it would freak anyone out, anyone from any religion, actually. If you just said, do you think your God's capable of making me an atheist? <laughs> I did. I said it to a, a Christian friend of mine. I'm like, well, what do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. And they were like, well, no, why would God do that? But what if it meant that was the only way God could get me to be a good human? Yeah. But I wasn't defending myself because I don't believe I'm an atheist. I mean, I might end up being an atheist, but yeah, yeah. whatever. As of today, I'm an ag- I feel agnostic. I feel agnostic, you know? <laughs> you do feel that way. Right? I do. Every time we I hug get, you and yeah. it's like, hey, you're agnostic. I yeah. can tell. You're like, this is an agnostic <laughs> hug, man. It's like, it's it's firm, but it's not like gropey. It's, it's not it's like an undecisive gropey. And- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I'm not talking about all Catholics. Just the ones that work for the church. Yeah, that's um, right. But no, like, so the, the process was unfolding and it was very strange how it happened because I kind of came to find God in a church, Yeah. but it wasn't like the God stayed in that church, right? It was almost like um, at the end of the day, when 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 I we left, when I left Central United, I, I left Christianity there, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I recognize it now. I didn't recognize it at the time, but I recognize it now because... I needed to leave it there. I needed to leave it there for whatever is going to happen next, mm. right? And mm. whatever is going to happen next is out of my hands. I have no control over that um, in terms of the universe and all that stuff. But I can definitely see why leaving Central was like the final straw for Christianity for me, mm. right? It was it was people who claim to be Christians who act like criminals mm. and act like... Um, and by criminals, I don't necessarily mean, kind of also mean in terms of stealing money, but but I can't, I'm not yeah. suggesting that anyone's doing that. That's not what I'm saying. But criminal in terms of like spiritually criminal, right? So it's kind, it's kind of like, if I tell you that you're loved, right? And I get you to trust that I love you, yeah. okay? But then I fuck you over yeah. on purpose, right. right? Now, don't get me wrong. So... I'm going to say some things that probably make me seem like a hypocrite, okay? Because, but the truth is, I have screwed people over. I have lied to people. I have been less than 
honorable in more than one occasion in my life. For sure. And so I'm not judging people. I'm not judging them. I'm simply explaining to you why I no longer identify as a Christian. Yeah. Right? Like these are the things that kind of put up flags for you to make you totally. realize this isn't I where I want to yep. go. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got people saying that you're Christian and they're just stabbing you in the back every time you turn around. Yeah. Well, it just kind of makes you question, well, what does that mean? Yeah. Right? And then, and then I was listening to, um, I can't remember if it was Sam Harris or um, it might have been when the four horsemen were talking around a round table. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. So they, like Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, um, Hitchens. Hitchens, yeah. Yeah, Hitchens. And the other guy I can't remember, but he's got a white beard. Really seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, I can't remember. Balding, balding head. Yeah. I think he's a physicist too. Gandalf, or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure. But anyway, now I can't even remember what they said. It was something to the effect of, um, if if the Bible was written by people, mm-hmm. okay, what if the people inspired the morals of the Bible? What if it wasn't divinely inspired, only perceived to be divinely inspired? Now, what he, this person wasn't saying it wasn't. Was simply saying, what if? And then, of course, if you ask yourself, well, what if that's true? Well, then humans have morality, right? Yeah. We, we, we naturally do. And I believe that it's probably evident prior to Christianity that humans really did have morality. For sure. However, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you're being told that this is where your moral compass is built. And from those, day one. From day one. And those are the people representing that moral compass compass and you start to make sense of it like adults do when we start seeing conflicting information to what we're being told we stop believing because we've developed like maybe maybe we've been able to develop a a nice healthy healthy ish prefrontal cortex and we're able to communicate with our brain and go wait a minute that doesn't add up yeah like you're saying that you're a moral authority yet you're Devious, you're backhanded, yeah. you're behind the doors. Um, and uh, I, so anyway, Christianity, that was it for me because right. I'd had enough. Like yeah, when yeah. I was, and, and so do, do you want to talk about my story now? Do you want me to go into that? Yeah, whatever, man. Okay. This is your podcast. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's well, the Dave Lurie show. It's the Dave Lurie show, but tonight it's the Darcy Robinson show. <laughs> um, and I yeah, prefer, go into your story, I man. That. Tell so, us. So tell anyway, us so. Where the church stuff originated, because I was raised in a church. My dad is a minister, has been a minister for, for 50 years. Right? Yeah. Like he, he's been doing this for a long, long time. Um, and unfortunately, the church has always been, uh, up until the, maybe the last few years, the church has been a place of condemnation and like, well, just condemnation of, of anyone perceived to be outside of the norm. Right. So and I'm when I say outside of the norm, I'm not just talking about the LBGTQ2S plus community. I'm talking about anyone different mm-hmm. than Christianity, right? So anyone falling outside of those norms. Well, I mean is, it was used as you know, to discriminate on based on race and mm-hmm. culture and everything, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and we've yeah. learned that now as and so that's part of what what we were taught when I was young is so not true. Mm-hmm. It's just flagrantly not true. Right, like it's not true that that black people are different and yeah. they should be like this is not true. Like yeah. this stuff is just horseshit. Right now, am am I to say that there's no differences of 
humans across the planet. Of course, there's differences amongst yeah. all of us. But they actually did classify people as not human beings. Exactly my point, right? Yeah, like and, they, and they said that like the indigenous in, in Canada, North America, yeah. weren't even human. Yeah. Therefore, they didn't, you know, have any rights kind of thing. That's right. So and that's church-based. Yeah. Yeah. 100% church-based, right? Yeah. And, and so not being told that when you're a kid, but being told like all this pretty Jesus at Christmas time bullshit, right? Like coming as you get older, I just realized, okay, okay, wait, I want to, I believe in God because it just makes sense to me that there's something in, that created it all and got it started or mm-hmm. whatever. Um and then as time obviously went on, I'm like, I think that would be like a waste of God's time to be a micromanager, man. Like, yeah. I, I just don't think he's going to have the same insecurities that we do, right? Like, yeah. I just don't get it. I I can't reconcile that. For sure. Um, and so when someone talks about a small God, I'm just like, I shrug my shoulders and I'm like, okay, maybe. Maybe your God is a fucking racist. Like, I don't know, right? Like, I, I can only assume that if there is this all-knowing, all-powerful creative force like i just want to get this out there that each of us was created yes it's not a fucking mistake right like and i get it some of us are living in different parts of the world like let me be honest i'm a 44 almost 45 year old white male living in canada Mm -hmm. i get it life is good to me right and and i'm not gonna take that for granted yes um but the truth is is that even though I just lost my train of thought. Like every time, right? We totally need like a little breaker. Like, oh, Dave's having an aneurysm. Um, oh, dude, Dave's having an aneurysm. That's perfect. Um, Dave had it. No, don't use that one. Um, anyway, I don't remember where I was going. Yeah, I was on a rant about the church and how gradually the the process of me unbecoming a Christian yeah. happened, really. And and that's the, the underlying um, facts of today. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, so coming from that, yeah, I was starting to tell the beginning of my story. Um, well, the beginning of my story, my, my first memories are being abused. So mm. I'll, I'll put that out there. That's, those are my first memories as a child was of sexual abuse by a man. Don't even know where, like which, where it started. Because wow. there was so much of it happening when I was young that I, I can't keep track of where it was. I was in a basement. Um, and it was dark and there was just uh, older men doing what men do to, to some kids. Um, anyway, um, that happened uh, and it happened consistently for about probably about seven or eight years. And it was outside of the home. I, I After I was about eight or nine, I started to seek it out. Um, and I sought it out because I thought that's what boys are supposed to do is go do that stuff and uh so men were making me do sexual things in public washrooms like wherever wherever i happened upon some adult who was interested in in a child right um and i'm grateful that i'm alive um, because obviously as i've grown up like i i come to understand that usually kids and people who go through what i went through don't survive Mm-hmm. And so I think probably the reason I survived is because my parents moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. And so we never, like, I didn't keep going back to the same places very often. Um, and so I don't know. I'm, I'm throwing that out there because, frankly, I don't know. I don't know how I survived and other kids didn't. And I oftentimes 
relate to that survivor's guilt from that yeah. from being a child and, and surviving and i know that that's irrational like i know it is but it's still there yeah. right like feeling like you're lucky you know like you're you're lucky and then when my when my, the first time a therapist told me how lucky i was was when i started paying attention wow. um to the fact that uh you know because I, I grew up and i never associated myself to the kids that we would see on milk cartons and stuff like that back in mm -hmm. the day right and i just never equated that was me well, why would you, you still have your yeah, family i still and, have yeah. my family i wasn't missing i wasn't yeah. murdered like i um but i definitely like today i can definitely connect there right to that fact sure, that yeah. holy shit like i don't know why i'm here but i'm here okay and that's the thing like just because i don't know why i'm here doesn't mean i'm not supposed to be here right? absolutely yeah. and like anyone else it's the same thing like just because yeah. you may not know why yeah. like I, I, i'm gonna get the stat out there on the recorded podcast like one in 400 trillion chance that you were going to be born as you one yeah. in 400 trillion chance let it sink in so even if you're not like spiritual or religious or anything like that, you're supposed to be here or yeah. you will fucking wouldn't be. Yeah. Because absolutely. like they, what, like, what is it? The, the theory of thermodynamics or entropy, something, it's something like that. And I'm probably going to get it wrong. So you can totally like scare me, but it, it basically says it's way more likely that things aren't going to go your way than they are. Yeah. There's way more ways things can go wrong. Right. For sure. And take your birth, for example. There's 400 trillion things that should have happened yeah. instead of you, but they didn't. Yeah. Okay. Statistically should have happened instead wow. of me, but they didn't. That's pretty crazy. Dude, it's far out, man. Yeah, yeah. Right. But they don't teach you that in church. They don't tell you that you're special regardless of what you believe in. Yeah, yeah. And, and so those are the things that really started to like sour my taste as I got older. Mm -hmm. Not to mention those backstabbers that that yeah. stab backs like the, that was the that was just the straw really that was the final yeah i'm out like i washed my hands of this garbage like i don't even feel bad for you people anymore like wow. i i did i felt i felt pity for them because yeah. they felt they had to do what they did but then i was like i can't even feel pity anymore yeah. you're so typical christian <laughs> like and that's that's a sad thing to say eh? yeah and it is yeah but if that's how you felt, that's how you felt. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting is that some, this church, for example, Wild Rose is like taking huge strides to like reconcile whatever they can, right? Be welcoming. Be welcoming. Yeah. They're a, an affirming ministry, which is wonderful. Yeah. The only reason I'm still here, um, to be honest, yeah. um, because that affirming nature is, is what gives me hope, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who's out there. Oh, okay, I thought it was my computer talking, but there's somebody else. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. No, dude. Um, but that's so that's why I'm here yeah. still. Um, and because some of the people here are just wonderful, wonderful yeah. humans, right? Yeah. Uh, and most of the people who work here or are involved here um, are trying to help others get better. So I, I don't hold anything against that, right? And I don't think that they're like backstabbers. For so sure. I say that because I don't know. I don't. I don't get that feeling. I, you know, I've, I find this place like I've been, I've been coming here now every Saturday for about a year. Oh yeah, that's right, dude. <laughs> uh, but I know, like, I don't come here for service, but I do know when I come here, like everybody's welcoming and smiling and mm. happy. And so that, that is very different than my previous church like experiences. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that out. I'm there. glad you did. Cause we do, we have fun, right? Like yeah. I, I, I try to have 
as much fun as I can and, and not take it too seriously. Right. Like, yeah, and the sure. reason I say that is because like, if you are like still on the Christian boat and everything like that, like good on you, like good on you. Just if you can, like really try not to take it too literally. Yeah. Cause yeah. just so you know, the ones that are out there that take it too literally, you're the problem. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. You're the problem. Like, there's no question about it. Because if you think that your neighbor, who's a wonderful neighbor, is going to go to hell because he doesn't believe in the same, he or she doesn't believe in the same God as you, that's absurd. So try well, to work your way back from that. Yeah, like, that, that's the part I, I don't like about, like, things like religion, mm-hmm. politics, it's not nasty too, but... Yeah, religion, but I say Christianity, and I, you're right. Religion is probably more fair. Yeah, because there's there's always those who are like, well, if you're not with us, you're against us. You're, you know, and, yeah. and it, like I was just at this thing where, um, you know, these these immigrants ex- about two years ago experienced uh, their van got spray painted with some really nasty racist stuff about Muslims and and uh, where they're from, and and they turned it into an opportunity to have a community barbecue. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they didn't want to have this be ugly. They wanted to turn it in. And I got to tell you, like, there was people of every kind of color and shape you could imagine Mm -hmm. there. This year was the second year. But it's just stuff like that. Like, they don't care what your faith you are. Mm -hmm. They don't care. And those are the type of people that, to me, give any religion a a really good name. Yeah. And that's, I think, probably, in in my mind, that's probably where a lot of this started. Mm Mm-hmm of these religions is people wanting to help out in community and be better. Mm-hmm. And then somehow just got perverted by yeah. greed and all these things that mm-hmm. our politics has the same problem. And yeah, you know, so, so anyway, I just want to throw that out. Yeah, I no, I'm glad you did. And, and the reality is, is that don't like, I'm well aware that there are some positives that come for sure. From, yeah. From all Absolutely. religions, like don't get me wrong. And there's going to be enormously, positive groups of christians muslims hindus buddhists um, absolutely god there's so many creationists whatever whatever you you classify yourself as like there's going to be some good in there right it's not the good that people have problem with though yeah right and and so you you have to understand as a christian you're you're either a christian or you're not a christian yeah and this is this is where i came to i'm just saying this is my opinion i'm not quoting anybody except for me, uh, is my opinion. So I could no longer say I'm a Christian because I was calling myself a bad Christian, right? right. Yeah. And the reality was I just simply am not a Christian. It, it's not like I'm a bad Christian. I'm not a Christian. I, I wanted to, it was it was part of my brain trying to hold on to that label that I was so accustomed to, yeah. right? And that I couldn't just simply say, yeah, I'm just not a Christian. Yeah. Instead of I'm a bad Christian. Reality yeah. is I just not one. Like, so did, do you think that, like, what kind of an effect did you think that had as a teenager? Like, did you feel that as a teenager? Like, like I like some of what they're saying, but some of it doesn't really mm. make sense to me or I don't feel that's right. Like, did you have that same conflict even maybe unnoticeably when you were a teenager that, or I, growing up? Like, Definitely growing up. Would that have played into maybe some of the, I don't know, reasons why you drank and stuff like that yeah. like i don't know if that would but like yeah because it's kind of a that conflict right inside yourself and and that's what it was it was the conflict it's not mm-hmm. it wasn't just about the religion because i'll be honest as a teenager i didn't give a shit yeah of course that's <laughs> i wasn't like thinking about runner. church and i wasn't thinking yeah. about being a, i didn't think i was a christian because i was a fucking terrible christian that if i was a christian so as a teenager i think i just 
I kind of put it out in my mind. Right. But I think I put it out of my mind because I started drinking. Like I wasn't, yeah. I didn't want to think about it anymore. Right. I didn't want to think about the fact that I was going to hell because I liked men as yeah, well yeah. as women. Right. Like yeah. I, I didn't want to think about it. So I just stopped thinking about it. And how I stopped thinking about it was I started fucking drinking. Wow. Right. And, and literally, um, by the time I was, at 16 I, I was a, I was drinking with my friends like all the time by the time I was like 16. daily you would say uh you know I wouldn't say daily because we didn't have it every day yeah um but I would try to do it daily. as often as you could I, I would I was always ready to go and it was yeah. like the total binge like yeah. just get plowed yeah kind of drinking I, and teenagers tend to do yeah oh dude like what was it uh I can't remember what year it was I think it was no it must have been my senior year and we were having a barbecue for, not a barbecue, we were having a party for the Super Bowl. Yeah. And in LA, like you can party outside during the Super Bowl because January is just as nice as like July here in Calgary, right? Yeah. So, um, Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I just wanted everyone to know that, yeah, it's really nice in January in LA. At least it was then. Um, we did this party and I remember thinking, we're not going to have enough booze. Yeah. There's only like four people coming over or something like that, right? <laughs> So we had a fucking, one of those blow up bathtubs yeah, filled yeah. with ice and cans of beer. Wow. I think it was a, I don't know how big it was. Not a bathtub, it was a swimming pool. Those yeah, outdoor yeah. swimming pool things. Yeah. Um, I can't remember how big it was. I could be totally getting that wrong, but I think it was Super Bowl. And I, I was just consumed with how much booze we had. Like, wow. To make sure I had enough to get fucked up, right? Like, yeah, and yeah. Um, so I, 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 looking back, I knew I was hooked right away. Like once I got into the escaping, using drinking to escape, I was definitely hooked. So when did when was your first like when was your first drink that you, um, where you went oh I like this shit mm. like when when was because I'm sure you probably as maybe had a sip of wine oh, or yeah. something yeah your dad let you have or whatever Dude, right? my but, older brother had parties but, man I'd sneak wine coolers yeah. And shit. yeah but when was that first when you were like oh shit this is the thing um, do you remember or well, I kind of remember, um, but I, <laughs> I guess I, that's the I story. Think I drank, I think I drank before, yeah. before I actually hit that point. Mm. Like I had been drinking for a bit where I was like, and then it was, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was this one night and it was, I think I was 16 or 17. I can't remember how old I was because I can't remember when him and I went out. It was, we were, I had bought some weed and it was like really good weed, like from oh. this guy where I worked with at Thrifties. And I was 16, I think. And so my buddy and I, we went out in his pickup truck and we smoked this weed. And yeah. we were out in the middle of like, I think it was, I want to say it was towards Chino, but it was in some really, it was in some really open hills okay. before they had built between Diamond Bar and um, I think it was Ontario or something like that. Okay. I'm getting the geography messed up because it yeah. was over 20 years ago. But anyway, you can look at a map. So way back then, we were out in the middle of these hills, and so we parked his truck, and we were hanging out listening to Led Zeppelin, right? Because we're nice. Zeppelin, dude. Yeah, right. And then, so we're smoking this weed, and we had had a few drinks and stuff like that, and oh my God, I don't know what was in the weed, but it was, I loved it. Like, I loved the combination of, oh, yeah. of the booze-like thing. The booze just, all of a sudden, it made sense why I wanted to do it all the time, mm. right? And then from there, I was pretty much hooked. Like, wow. Yeah. I wanted more all the time you wanted to feel that all the time yeah because yeah, yeah. and even though it was terrifying like we were both like freaking out and right. and we had to try to drive 
his truck back to to like the land of living because we we're hungry, right? We had the munchies, so we wanted to go to Jack. You're the all box. paranoid about getting well, pulled yeah, over. Oh fuck yeah, dude! Yeah, yeah. We're not just paranoid about getting pulled over. We're paranoid about like fucking pterodactyls and whatever else might yeah, be yeah. out there in the middle of the night, right? <laughs> yeah. And then we get to Jack in the Box, and Jesus, this is like a Harold and Kumar story, dude. Yeah, but we we made it. We didn't run over any cougars or anything. So you made it to Jack in the Box. Made it to Jack in the Box, and I'm freaking out. I, and yeah. my buddy, I'm not going to say his name. He knows who he is if he's listening. But And I really appreciated his ability to drive that night <laughs> and his ability to try to get me to calm the fuck down. Because I think we were in Jack in the Box and I was under the fucking table. And I'm like, dude, I can't come up. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. And he's like, dude, seriously, you're making it worse. <laughs> like you're under the fucking table. And okay, first of all, I'm patchworking the conversation because I don't fully remember what he said. Probably don't be a you know what yeah um, although maybe not because he didn't really say that kind of stuff very much but anyway so that was it i was definitely in for getting drunk like and i i wasn't sure about the weed after that like i yeah. I slowed down for quite a long time because i mm-hmm. wasn't sure about it i it was kind of like you got that bad trip because we fucked it up yeah, like yeah. by moving around and, and having too much stress and all that kind of stuff because you don't realize it but if you take drugs in the wrong environment like you're going to have, you potentially can have a bad reaction to it, right? Like For sure, yeah. Just because last week you smoked a joint and fucking watched a movie with your with your friends doesn't mean this week when you're out partying is still a good idea, yeah, right? Yeah, for like, sure. And anyway, um, so that was kind of the beginning of, of the last, my last year in California before I came, got deported up here. Right. So, um, you, you're wondering how can a guy get deported who was born in America? Well, just let me tell you. <laughs> well, let's hear about that. Yeah, that, let's hear about that. That actually sounds really um, uh, interesting. It, it, well, it was interesting, and looking back, I think yeah, it was quite a creative policing what they did. What they did, right? Like these wow. sheriff deputies in Walnut County. Yeah, that's right, fuckers. <laughs> so you you must have been partly Canadian, like I'm a dual, dual citizen. citizen. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm a dual citizen. My parents were up here in Canada, so. Basically, I was a juvenile mm-hmm. living without guardianship because after getting arrested for the robberies that we got arrested for, um, my guardians said no more. Like, they were not yeah. having me there. And I don't blame them. Like, it was a fucking yeah. shit show. It went from bad to fucking worse, like, in the span of... Um, so, this is this is probably important to, to, to point out. From the time my friend and I... <clears throat> drank and we're on that those hills smoking weed and then i was under the table at jack-in-the-box um from that time until almost until january february of my senior year which was 1992 um it's my drinking and my using escalated dramatically like and i mean dramatically to the point where now i was going to school drunk some days oh wow yeah and and so to the point where even some of my friends were like dude are you drunk again and I'd be like, yeah, fuck you. Wow. You want some? Yeah. And then they'd be like, all right. <laughs> but apparently I was the bad influence. So by the by that, by 1992, February, thereabouts, yeah. um, my drinking had escalated to the point where I just wanted to be drunk all the fucking time. Because right. life was just too fucking stressful, right? Um, and so we, uh, so I, I'm, I'm unclear on this. So I'm going to say that right away. We, a group of us, we were talking about breaking into stores. We all got convicted of this, so it doesn't really matter now. 
but I still won't say any names. We all got convicted in our own little charges and stuff like that. Um, so we got arrested for doing a bunch of B&Es, basically mm. store B&Es. We broke into stores. Back then, not everywhere had cameras. And yeah, this yeah. Is, we're talking about 92. So you could go to a supermarket, you could push in the, the sliding doors, you could push them in and up, and you can slide underneath. Oh, wow. And so, and most back then you could. Anyway, I don't think you can do it anymore. But they also weren't alarmed either. Like, right. And we, like you said, no cameras. No cameras. And, and so what that we would do is we'd go into the front and go out the back and open the back door, come in, take everything we could because they had booze and cigarettes and everything in, in supermarkets right. down there. Yeah. So then, well, one night, of course, you push your, you push your luck, right? And For we're sure. out, we're doing a store stupidly enough in our neighborhood. God, we just didn't think things through. It's probably because I just wanted to get drunk. I didn't care. Um, <laughs> anyway, we did it in a store in our neighborhood. And this is when people say, oh, like, how did you get caught? It's, it's like, I'm going to tell you how we got caught. We got caught because one of us was fucking stupid. <laughs> it's always one, right? So this is why mm -hmm. I understood why. All of a sudden, I understood why people did crime alone. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we had one guy with us who was already drunk. Before we oh, even started shit. doing it, didn't cover yeah. his plate, right? And and so anyway, I can't remember the story of that. It, you know, like it doesn't really matter anyway. We still got caught and we broke the law. And I don't, I'm not mad that we got caught. I actually think it was quite impressive how we got caught. Like how how this sheriff's deputy off duty put two and two together. Like it was just that's if you under if you want to underestimate the police officers out there, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. They have some pretty good instincts, most of them. Yeah. And like this guy's instincts were spot on. He caught us. He saw a truck driving behind the, the supermarket when there should have been no trucks. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all it took him to be like, "Wow, that's a fucking B and E." Next thing you know, <laughs> we were all like going. We were scattered to the wind, but he had the plate number. Oh, right? yeah. So we we eventually got caught. So. Um, and I, I don't feel bad about that. Like, I, I feel like I'm glad we got caught. Like, really, yeah. I, I would have continued to commit crime, to be honest with you. I would have probably gotten into that lifestyle had it paid off, right? Like, yeah. um, anyway, uh, I got from there, I got de deported, and I'm using quotation marks because the sheriff's deputies personally deported me. And by that, they told me I was deported, so I believed them. And oh, really? I didn't have my parents down there. Oh, yeah. And yeah. my guardians didn't want nothing to do with it. And I don't blame them. Like yeah. they they had enough of my shit, right? And um, and they were just fucking amazing people. Yeah. Anyway, so we're getting interviewed at the sheriff's, and I don't say nothing. Yeah. I don't say a fucking word. We get called in at school. I don't say nothing. I don't say nothing. 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 And then, of course, like, they're like, well, you're the only one who didn't say anything. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, those fuckers. <laughs> yeah. But the reality is they did the right thing. They did the right yeah. thing. They just came clean, right? And, and I was just like, nope, I'm not going to be the one. So I wasn't the one. And here's what happens when you're not the one, when you're the only one who doesn't say anything. Well, you get fucked a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah, because you get them, you're like the ringleader now. Well, they they want to jack you, right? And yeah. and so they did. They um, but then I was told to get out of out of the country, and I would be fine. Wow. And as a sixteen, no, seventeen year old kid, yeah, seventeen year old kid, I believe them for sure, right? So I fucking 
gathered my resources as I could, like my parents and all that stuff, and figured out how I was going to get a bus ticket home up here. And back then, it was still Greyhound. Yeah, right? yeah. I tell you what, man, that fucking Greyhound ride from L.A. to Calgary is unbelievable. You oh, get to I meet some imagine. pretty cool humans, man. Really? And by cool, I mean crazy. <laughs> yeah, dude. Weird, too. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, um, but anyway, I so anyway, I got the day before I'm getting deported, the girlfriend at the time says she's pregnant. Oh. Oh, yeah. So the day before, dude, day before I'm leaving for Canada, I got no choice. The sheriff's deputies are basically driving me to the bus depot wow. or whatever. The, I'm pretty sure it was the sheriffs who dropped me off. I'm not 100% clear because I was half in the, in the bag by the time I got to the bus. Wow. Yeah, because I had been drinking Southern Comfort pretty much all day. Why would I stop drinking? Yeah, right. I've already I'm paying the fucking I, yeah, I'm paying yeah. the price here, right? For yeah. my for my crimes. So anyway, she tells me she's pregnant. Holy. And so of course I'm like, oh well, I guess we're gonna have to get married. And she's all she's like, Yeah, like you don't yeah. break up, blah blah blah, right? Like, and I'm just fucking young. I have no idea that chicks are capable of the monstrous things some people are capable of. And by chicks I just mean any human who potentially is insecure about losing yeah. their partner. Yeah. I say girl only in the instance because this happened to be a girl who did it for sure all right just so i'm throwing that out there and boys can't get pregnant yeah, so you just just in case you're wondering um well back then we couldn't <laughs> i'm not going to say we're not going to be able to because who knows anyway she told me she was pregnant yeah. and i'm freaking out inside right but i'm like okay whatever like you know it's going to be okay we'll figure it out i'll mm -hmm. get up there i'll get a job i'll get yeah. whatever i got to do i'll finish school and uh so I, I came up to Canada um, in 92, and it would have been February? Yeah, February-ish um, of 92. And then I graduated from, I went to school at James Fowler. So oh, okay. I got, uh, my folks were living up there, and I, I had to, anyway, that didn't come till later. But So I was living with my folks, and I ended up getting two jobs and finishing my high school because I wanted to be prepared. Like I thought I was yeah, having yeah. a kid, right? And so I was like, man, like this is gonna be this is gonna be something, right? And communicating with yeah. the with the lady down in California and and I won't use her name either, even though I almost should, but I'm just gonna resist the temptation. Yeah, because this isn't about sewer and people, it's just yeah. my story, right? Like I don't yeah. I don't have any ill will towards her anyway. Not anymore. And yeah. and I'll tell you'll figure out how I got rid of my ill will here in a second. Um so anyway, I'm here in Canada. I'm working like a dog, right? Like trying yeah. to save money and, and I'm finishing my high school. And and so we graduate and talking to one of my friends in California. And they're like, did you know there's a bunch of warrants out for your arrest, man? We went to court and we all got our sentence, but they issued warrants for your arrest. And I said, that's interesting. I thought I was fucking deported. How can you fucking charge me and convict me when you deport me? Well, yeah, of course, yeah. the sheriff's had no fucking records of deporting me and the officers had no they were like i don't know what happened the they guy just fled the country just fled the country wow yeah so if anyone was gonna hate the cops for a while it might have been me yeah and i'm not gonna say i didn't have some ill will towards those specific cops but um, i think that's pretty realistic yeah, yeah i mean look i was a little pissed off right yeah but the reality is had i not left canada and then come back things wouldn't have been able to be the way they were, right? Mm -hmm. So so what happened was I found that I had these warrants, so then I made the decision I was going to go back and turn myself in because I didn't yeah. want to run forever, right? 
Yeah. yeah. Don't get me wrong. If you think that this was courageous, like it was just because I didn't, I didn't have any courage and I did not want to go to San Quentin. Right. Like I did not (laughs) want to like wait until I'm an adult and then get arrested in California for a traffic violation and find out I got warrants. Yeah. Yeah. I did not want that shit to happen. So I just simply took the easier, softer way and said, I'm going to go turn myself in. I have a better chance. Yeah. Right. So um, I went down to turn myself in. The girl who allegedly was having my baby, um, she put me up at her, at their place. And then like a couple days in to stay in there, I was like, this is really weird, man. Like her parents haven't said a word about this baby. Yeah. Like they haven't said a word. You know, and she'd put on a little weight, so I thought hey, it's possible, right? Like I'm just, I have. Well, no I mean, it's not like you know what pregnancy really. Looks I'm fucking like, seventeen, right? dude. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I don't know. She's got little Shelby, or she might be pregnant. I don't know. Yeah. Like, um, and so, uh, I'm I'm standing there. So a couple of days go by, and I'm and I'm like, mm, this isn't. I don't like this. Yeah. I fucking don't like this. So I fucking started talking about it in front of her parents, and then she was like really hush hush about it. And I'm like, all right, we're gonna take a drive. Oh, like. We're going to go for a drive because yeah, I knew I fucking set her up. So, yeah, because I was just like, no, this is hanky. Yeah. So we went for uh, Carl's Jr. As a matter of fact, yeah, home of Carl's Jr. Nice. By the way. Um, and we went there, we, we were eating and I just, I looked at her and I said, you're not pregnant, are you? And she said, no. Wow. And I said, fuck you. I took her car keys. I stood up. I walked out and I said, you can fucking walk home. <laughs> and I took her car. And, um, and I, and, uh, I can't remember, I, I vaguely remember bringing it home later after way too much booze and parking it half on her lawn and saying, give me my shit. Oh, I'm wow. going to stay somewhere else. Yeah. And I just threw her keys in the house, grabbed my shit. Yeah. And she was like, oh, like, can we talk? I'm like, fuck you. Like, wow. She, I mean, really no idea what I'd put myself through thinking I was having a baby yeah, and yeah. she was never pregnant. Wow. It was the first time I knew, like, I think I didn't know it then, but it was the first time I started to recognize insecurity and what it meant, right? Was mm-hmm. that people will do all kinds of shit when they're insecure. Yeah. They'll blame you for shit. They'll pretend they're pregnant. They'll do all kinds of shit, right? Um, yeah. Anyway, so I left there because I was like, fucking done right and um uh yeah it was it was kind of i was relieved Mm -hmm. i wasn't in a position to have a fucking kid anyway even though i've been saving money i mean fuck i was just a high school grad i I didn't have nothing i didn't even know what i was gonna do right like and so i just went and got drunk and then i went and found a hotel in brea one that i stayed at when i was in high school and it was Mm -hmm. like i think when I was in high school, it was like eight bucks a night. And then when I went back for court and stuff, it was like 12 bucks a night. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I mean, you're going to get what you pay for. Yeah, I'm one sure neighbor was, was obviously class. a fucking pedophile. And nice. another neighbor was a hooker. And, yeah, and yeah. so, like, I was in between. And the hooker, obviously, I relate to the, to the hooker much more than the pedophile. The pedophile is someone that I'd want to kill back then, right? Yeah. Where I couldn't contain my rage in that, in that area. And, um, but that's because I hadn't dealt with any of it, right? I yeah. just was drinking now and, and using. So anyway, uh, yeah, I stayed there. Um, 
got connected with this really awesome, awesome girl that I, I just was in love with in high school. Mm-hmm. We got together for a bit. I totally fucked that up though. Cause like, and this is, if you, if you ever want to fuck something up really bad, yeah. get drunk and pass out during sex. Yeah. I know you're laughing, dude. You're laughing like yeah, that, you can't that believe that happened, work, but it yeah. happened. Wow. I fe- I passed out like middle of sex. Wow. And um, you know what? We never recovered and I don't blame her. Like I yeah. don't blame her at all. I, uh, I actually, that's one of those things when I was younger that was always on my mind that yeah. I let this person down. And I, yeah. it wasn't just the drinking and passing out on her. It was just being a dick, right? Like, yeah. Because I, th- I think I was probably a dick about it too. Like mm. trying to like play it off, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah. no, like I didn't drink that much. Like yeah. I was already doing shit like that, right? Like, wow. um, so anyway, I, we, we did, I did that. I stayed in the, ho- in the hotel and went to court. Uh, thankfully, the judge was like really compassionate. Like yeah. he, when I showed up for court um, and my, my lawyer had arranged for me to be able to tell the judge what happened and, yeah. and, and we went over it. He said, my lawyer said, do not tell the judge that the sheriff's deported you. Just say you didn't know you were going to have warrants. Yeah. And, and so what I said was I was told to leave. So I left yeah. and I didn't know any better. I didn't know any different. Like they didn't tell me I could call my folks. They didn't tell me. Wow. They didn't, uh, they didn't advise me to do anything. So, um, so I didn't, we didn't want it to sound like a ravings of a paranoid, of a paranoid human. Right. So we, uh, we went in, I pled guilty to the charges cause I was guilty and from there i got a two-year conditional sentence and the judge said that as a part of the conditional sentence i had to live at home in canada with my parents um, and that my parents were going to send a report i think every month yeah and the charges were considerable so it was a two-year sentence um for my first charges as a and convictions as a juvenile yeah it was pretty good like two-year conditional sentence wasn't a joke um, it would have been a, less of a joke had it been in Chino Institute for Boys. <laughs> that would have been much yeah. less of a joke. And we might not be having this conversation. Um, so anyway, I, uh, I agreed, of course, because I'm not an idiot. And, and the, the judge said, <laughs> you cannot come back to the United States until this sentence is over. Um, oh, and, wow. and, and so I didn't. I, I like, yeah. I said, got okay. back on that Greyhound. Oh, yeah. I got, did. I got back on the Greyhound, came home, um, and came to Canada and started to work. Uh, I continued to work for Cowley Park. Oh, wow. Okay. I worked out there as security when I was like 18 or 17, oh, okay. 18. Yeah. I eventually got fired because I just sucked at the job. And I did because I didn't care. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was like just a shady asshole. Like, <laughs> I don't know how else to word it because I can't even remember – what shady shit I was doing actually there. I just was involved in some shady shit. Yeah. And so anyway, I ended up getting fired from there. I don't blame him at all. And through all of this, like you're still drinking. Oh dude. Like, heavily, like my, uh, my drinking, uh, was just continually picking up. Oh, right. Like it was gaining well, steam. Oh, gaining steam, man. Cause when, when I turned 18, I was here. Oh yeah. I was from a place that was 21 where I had to actually yeah, yeah. like lie, cheat and steal to get the booze. So right? this was like winning the lotto when you got here, right? Dude, seriously, man, I could go anywhere I wanted. I could have a drink. It didn't matter. Like, um, uh, 
obviously I couldn't handle it, but I, I, I was able to act like a grown up, I guess. Mm. I didn't drink like one. Um, well, I honestly, I drank like a grown up alcoholic, I guess, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, my drinking escalated and, but still I was, I, I didn't equate. This is like a really, uh, a thing that I'm only thinking of in hindsight, mind you, yeah. if we're talking is never occurred to me that if I got caught drinking and driving up here, that it would have affected my conditional sentence and I would have went to jail in the state. Oh, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I was drinking and driving all the time. And, wow. Um, I got, I was blacking out. I was, and this was when I was 18 and 19. Right. So I, uh, somehow managed to get through 18 and I want to say I quit drinking at the, uh, just before, around when I was turning 19. Because I decided I wanted to go in the army in the States. Oh, okay. So I wanted to go back in the army once my conditional sentence was up and the judge ended it a year early. So, yeah, he he was like, this is fucking stupid. Your parents aren't going to fucking lie. And and obviously you're doing fine. Yeah. Right? So they they ended, I think they rescinded the sentence or however they end that, the conditional sentences. But um, anyway, it was over. So I got to go back, I got to think about joining the army in the States, which is what I always wanted to do. So, So I quit drinking. I, I just said, no, I quit. I got I need to run. I need to exercise and get in shape. And so I did. I, I quit drinking. I started running every day. Like I was starting to get lean and I was doing push-ups and exercise and all that kind of stuff. Um, I felt really fucking good, right? Because of yeah. course you do. You're not drinking. You're you're like, I'm fucking coherent. Like Well, and you're doing all this physical activity now. Yeah. So now you're like, wow, this is great. Dude, and it was like a drug, right? Because I mean some of us, some some people like myself, we, we like to use anything we can to get that experience. Yeah, that, that sure. high, right? Or at the time, it's not like it's that different now, really. I just don't do it the same way. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So we, I got I got into the army, and then <laughs> even even the army was like, I don't know about this guy, man. <laughs> so they they made I had to go with my recruiter into LA and I had to like sign a bunch of documents to get them to open up my juvenile record. Cause they don't do it in the States. They don't give it to fucking anybody. Oh wow. Your juvenile records fucking sealed. Like oh, wow. even the army had to go and get my permission to do it. So yeah. I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. Anyway, when did it, it was no big deal, obviously. Cause I just felt like I killed anybody. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I wasn't convicted of that anyway. And it was, it was always like, um, it was just, any stuff right so who gives a shit everybody in the army is probably some sort of not everybody a good portion of the people i knew in the army had criminal records back then now it might be different because we don't need as many soldiers we have we need more drone pilots yeah um but uh so it might be a little different i don't know anyway get through that finally get my dates that i'm going to ship out to fort knox and all that kind of stuff And, and i'd come back up here to canada um, before I shipped out, um, yeah. so that I could stay with my family and stuff like that. And then, uh, <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> We're driving down and I'm pretty sure this was the time when I was going in the army or it might not have been the same time. Anyway, that's a different story. Cause that's not the time I was going in the army. Maybe it is. Anyway, we were leaving Calgary yeah. and we were downtown and my, my dad was driving the car and my little brother was in it with me. It was me and Nate and my dad. And this guy like runs up to my dad in the window. I remember this. This is, I'm pretty sure this is when I was going in the army because 
this was like a, a moment that I remember because this guy like took a swing at my dad through the window of the car. And, oh wow! And and it had been a long time since I didn't see my dad throw down because he hasn't had to in a long time. Yeah, but he could throw down. Eh? Like I yeah. I forget. And then because uh, he's sneaky, this oh, guy yeah. threw a punch in the window. Dad moved, grabbed the guy's arm, and started driving. Oh wow! Yeah, he was dragging this dude down the street. Yeah, <laughs> and and then he's like, "Are you good?" And he let him go. <laughs> and Nathan and I, Nathan and I are both looking at him like, "I don't think he can fucking do that." That's where you're like, don't mess with dad, man. Yeah, seriously. Don't mess with dad. There was there was a few times growing up where we were like, yeah, don't ever mess with dad. Yeah, like, he might he might be older, but he got older by learning shit that I have not learned yet. Yeah. <laughs> right. He survived yeah. to old age somehow. Yeah, yeah. Um. So now when I see older people, I'm always like, how did they survive to be this old? Yeah. Because I know what I've had to get through. Oh yeah. To be here, right? And and as we get older, we get to kind of com- compare that stuff. For sure. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, we were, we went down and then I got in the army and, uh, I was shipped off to Fort Knox. And so back, back then, like you had to piss test and, and, but back then to beat a piss test, we would take things like golden seal. Um, we would flick off like, like I think it was salt or something into our urine. Like oh, really? As we were pissing. I can't remember exactly if it was salt or something else. Anyway, I passed. I'm fucking wow. Wow. <laughs> I was like literally super high the day I fucking pissed. <laughs> and um, so anyway, I or the day before or something like that, went went to Fort Knox, um, started boot camp, and then my knee fucking blew out. So my left knee blew out. Oh. And um, so I was basically in the army for about 15 minutes. And I was never a soldier anyway. I always wanted to be, but then I got there and I realized, wow, wow. Yeah, people, people, this is weird. And it was mm-hmm. peacetime, right? So there was no yeah. like rah, rah, rah going on at that time. And I don't know if people understand. As a American, I was born there. So there's still a part of me. I'm a dual citizen and I identify most as a Canadian, just so you guys know. Because yeah. I've lived here most of my life. And, and frankly, this is where my home is. Um, but as an American, when you get rah, rah, okay, it's hard not to go rah-rah with the rah-rah. Right. Because it's, it was such a part of the culture through school and growing up, right? That yeah. America, fuck yeah, right? And, totally. and so I, was, I got caught up in it, man. Like, um, I totally got caught up in it. But then I got to Fort Knox and I started meeting people and I'm like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, yeah. what am I doing here? So anyway, we're do, I'm doing the boot thing and like going through the motions and then the knee blows out. And then... See, that's when I got to slow down and see what was going on. Mm. It's because I wasn't able to do anything anymore. So they put you yeah. where they, what they call holdover, right? And, and we, we came to fondly know it as holdover hell, right? Because it was kind of like purgatory. Oh, yeah. Most of us were going to hell. And by hell, we were getting shipped out. Right. Um, and it was so painful um, that I don't know why the drill sergeant did this, but he assigned me to line of sight to watch over suicidal people and like, Oh wow. And, and he couldn't have picked the worst guy. Cause I was so <laughs> disinterested. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, if he really wants to go, let him like, fuck, who am I to stop him? <laughs> yeah. So I might not have been the best pick for line of sight. Yeah, yeah. And they used to call it LOS. I don't know if they still call it that, but it'd be LOS. And so I, I was watching this guy who was supposedly, you know, two guys at first, 
Then the one guy, I don't know what happened to him. He just disappeared. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Neither of them took their lives under my watch. There you go. My line of sight. Um, <laughs> even Because I, I didn't treat them like they were different because I had always wanted to die. So I was like, yeah, well, yeah. You know, whatever, we're friends, I guess. So kind of understood what they were. I totally yeah. did. And I just never said it out loud yeah. to people. Like, yeah. I hadn't said it out loud at that point. And um, yeah, so we I, I got... I think it was my knee wasn't getting better and they weren't going to do surgery and all this stuff. And, and so they gave me a medical discharge and then I had to wait to get discharged because it's the government. So it takes time, right? Like fucking two weeks. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like seriously. And that's just to get out. When they're telling you. <laughs> At least you, they fed you the whole time, when, right? Yeah, they did. When they're telling you to get out, it still takes two weeks. <laughs> when they're telling you they don't want you, it still takes a little bit of time. That's but I did get to know some pretty cool guys that were going to get shipped out as well, right? Mm-hmm. Even back, whether it was physical or the line of sight guys that I got to know. Th- those two guys that I got to know in line of sight, um, they were probably my favorite part of the army, right? Like, oh, yeah. Because wow. for me, getting to know people has always been kind of a nice thing. You know? yeah, yeah. Even though I don't always like them, it's still nice to get to know people. For sure. Um, so anyway, I, I got discharged and I hadn't been drinking or using like um, the whole time in there? Yeah. The whole oh, wow. Time, the whole time. I, I still, I, I had quit smoking for boot camp because they mm-hmm. wouldn't let you smoke anymore. You had to sneak it, which was fine. Like we snuck it every once yeah. in a while. But I had quit smoking for two months yeah. at this point. So when I finally, my papers came through and I was ready to catch the bus to the airport in Louisville and everything was coming to an end and I was moving on, right? Well, where do you wait for the bus? But at a fucking convenience store. Um, on yeah. Fort Knox, Kentucky. In a convenience store, you get cigarettes and booze. You can yeah. buy this stuff everywhere down there, right? Or at least then you could. And so I, I think I spent like 10 bucks on a carton of smokes or eight bucks or something like that back then yeah, on a yeah, carton yeah. of smokes and um, like a $5 bottle of Southern Comfort. I loved that shit back then. I was always drinking that shit. Wow. Yeah. And uh, like a, I think it was a Mickey. I want to say it was a Mickey, but it was gone by the time I got to the airport. Wow. And so I was fucking trashed. <laughs> To the point where the corporal had to walk me onto the fucking plane, like almost, all, almost all the way on the plane, yeah. and um, I think it was a corporal. I don't. know. So they have somebody that goes with you to get on the plane. No, they they they, well, they like want to make sure you get the hell out of there. Well, I think I think I'm not sure exactly why they they escorted me on, but I I think I might have been a little belligerent, like at one point or no. Oh, yeah, okay. and and so, but most of the I think there was like. I can't remember the logistics. logistics but anyways, of it. anyways, I was yeah. escorted to the plane by a man in uniform, army uniform, um, and I think it was a corporal. It could have been a, a specialist. I, I can never remember those signias. Yeah, the specialist. And the, the corporals are two lines, or two tents, I think, and then the specialist was one tent, and then a bottom. I think is a specialist. So I think it was a corporal. Anyway, corporal escorted me, made sure I got on the plane because I was already like a blithering idiot. Like yeah. by the time I got there. And then, of course, back then you could get free booze on a plane. Um, oh, yeah. And of course, if you were like short haired in Kentucky, you were assumed to be army. And, yeah, yeah. you know, so they would just serve you. Like like the guy at the, at the convenience store on the base. Pretty sure I'm not 21. Yeah. But yeah. he's like, you're a fucking soldier. You're, take a fucking bottle. Yeah. Who yeah. cares? You're old enough to die. You're old enough to drink, right? Like yeah. that's how some people felt about it. For and, sure. Anyway, flew back to LA and then um, 
I, um, I can't remember how long I was in LA for just a few days, I think maybe longer, um, at that time. Anyway, I then came up here, uh, to Canada and started, um, what was I doing when I first came back? Well, I went back to, um, working, uh, security at different buildings. Mm. Like for the company's name was a specific company that was a property management company downtown here in Calgary. And I worked a bunch of security for a couple of years, a few years while I went to school. Yeah. Um, and I did overnights. Uh, and anyway, so I came back and obviously I had started drinking again. Right. Yeah. So I had a year and a half off. So, and I didn't know this at the time, but I've come to understand this now that um, there, there is a phenomenon that happens to an alcoholic. So I, I consider myself an alcoholic by the classical definition of an alcoholic. I have um, an obsession of the mind mm. when it comes to alcohol, and and my body reacts as though it's allergic. Mm. So I have an allergy to alcohol as well. What I used to do when I was younger, when that allergy would kick in, is I drink more because then I wouldn't feel the allergy. Wow. So what I mean by that is I specifically would get rashes when I drank. I wow, would get really? my joints would ache. When I drank, even if I didn't drink very much, my joints would start to ache. Yeah. Um, so what I've come to know now about alcoholism is that that was my allergy of the body. But yeah. the only way to deal with that is to drink more or stop wow. drinking. And I yeah. wasn't about to stop drinking. Yeah. Not again. Right. And even though I recognize now in hindsight that I had the full package because yeah. I was obsessing about drinking all the time, mm. all the time. And if I wasn't drinking, I was obsessing about trying not to drink. Right. So because I knew I had to do something for school or work or whatever. But of course, like classic alcoholic and, and addict, there were just periods of time where I couldn't fucking control it, right? Where I just, I, I didn't have the same level of control that I had the night before, right? Like I would, the night before I was able to go and have two, two beers at a fundraiser, whereas the next night I was 30 beers and morphine or something like that, right? Like right. just trying to, show that contrast between when I thought I could control it and then I would be so happy I could control it, I would reward myself with going nuts, right? Like, mm. um, and I, I, I don't think that's just Dave's stuff. I think that's pretty consistent. I've heard that a few times, yeah. Yeah, and you would know. You've heard 55 stories in here this <laughs> last year, man, yeah. um, which I think is pretty cool, by the way. I, I think it is too. Yeah, yeah we've yeah. been able to hear some pretty cool shit in here. Absolutely, yeah. Um, which is also what motivated me to finally, I guess, tell my story was that I've heard so many courageous people tell their stories. For sure. Um, so anyway, I uh, I was in back in, I was in school at this time drinking like crazy, uh, and I was always obsessing about it. And the first year I got into college, I uh, I panicked. I asked a girl to marry me, like, and mm. and she she was a single mom, and um, I I was like just enamored with the idea that if I could get married to someone with a child, I would be okay. Mm. Like I wouldn't have to be gay. I wouldn't have to um, yeah. be all these things that I know people don't want me to be. This is how I thought. I'm not saying that people didn't want me to be that yeah, because yeah. nobody knew. So it's just that in my head. That was the I conversation. Was, yeah. In yeah. my head, if I was gay, that was the end of the line. Yeah. Right. Like everything was going to end. So, um, you okay over there? Yeah. Fucking allergies, eh? Oh, I love them. Yeah. yeah I, I love I love them too. Mess up your whole day. Yeah. But mess up your whole life. Yeah. Allergies messed up my whole life, man. 
Yeah, my allergy to alcohol messed up my whole life. <laughs> well, it kind of did. So anyway, I, I asked this girl to marry me and um, holy fuck, man, like what a nightmare I must have been, right? Like she was happy. She said yes. Like, and I took advantage of what like single parents must feel. And I didn't know that I was taking advantage of it. Like I didn't plan on taking advantage of anybody, man. Like I was just not able to see it. I just simply, mm-hmm. I I didn't think that my sexuality was going to be an issue once I got married. I actually right. believed that it would all just be okay. It would work out. It would work out, right? Because yeah. there's stability. She has a son. She, you know what I mean? Like, sure. and and her kid was great. Like, what a great kid. Which makes it even more fucked up that mm-hmm. I was trying to get salvation, right? Um, but anyway, obviously, time went by. It, it just didn't work out, and I ended up, I ended up leaving, and. I well towards the end of our relationship it was only like I can't even remember how many months. This is mm-hmm. to tell you to put a to put a point on this story for everyone out there. I asked her to marry me after like two and a half months or something like that. Wow, like typical alcoholic behavior. Yeah. What I've come to learn is typical alcoholic behavior um, because I I wanted to be saved, right? Like mm-hmm. I knew it because I, I had started to um, hustle at uh, washrooms. Mm. like public washrooms. I started to hustle um, to make a little bit of money. Uh, and, and when I was younger, I was in good shape and I was working out all the time. So people actually wanted to pay me to have sex. Now I think I probably, well, I wouldn't say I have to pay anybody, but <laughs> <laughs> you never know. If I if I end up single and Heather hears this and she's, I'll be single, um, <laughs> it'll be like, well, if I have to pay, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, after you've, been after you've sold your ass for money, I guarantee you, you're less likely to buy sex. Oh, I bet, yeah, yeah. And it's never occurred to me to buy it. So uh, anyway, I started hustling. So I started making money for sex, and yeah. I was making it. I was doing it like at first, it was gradual, right? Where I, I would I would take fifty bucks for a blowjob or something like that, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to be pretty candid on here because I can be, and um, I know Darcy can handle it. So. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you are, if you can't handle it, just go like give me a choking thing. You're choking. I'm good, man. I'm yeah. good. I figured you were, and 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 I kind of want to be honest in a way that I've experienced our guests be honest, right? Which Absolutely. is like that 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 very real. This is what happened. This is what I did, right? Yeah. Like, and I'm not ashamed of it anymore. I, I don't. I won't say I don't regret it because there's obviously some things that I still regret that I will regret probably yeah. until it. But they were regrettable things. So. If someone tells you you should have no regrets, I'm going to question that, right? When someone says, sure, Dave, yeah. you shouldn't have regrets, man. No, no, no. I don't live in my regrets, man. Yeah. But I have them. For sure. Because I did some regrettable things, like cheating on this woman with men in gym steam rooms or washrooms. Mm-hmm. It's regrettable. Like, that's yeah. a regrettable action. And um, I'm not ashamed of myself anymore because I recognize now... 20 years later, I recognize what was driving me back then, right? 20 plus years later. And what was driving me was that soul sickness that comes from denying who I was, right? Mm-hmm. In many ways, but mostly at that time, it was the sexuality that was pushing me, right? So when I was 24, I think I was 24. Um, oh, anyway, I won't skip ahead too far. Um, 
So in between 21 and 24 is when I really started to act out in terms of my sexuality. And by act out, I, I won't even include this as my sexuality because really it got me so confused about my sexuality that, but I was having sex for money all the time at mm. that point. I was doing it all the time. And I got together with this woman in, in college that I just, I was madly in love with her from the minute I saw her mm. like two and a half years prior. I just like loved her um, and that is well that would be that's a bigger regret than to be honest with you than the other one mm. and the, the re, but this regret is like long standing we were together for a while and um, I actually like I was pretty ashamed and I, this was in some of my my recovery work that I've done uh, but I'll, I'll talk about it because I was pretty ashamed that I couldn't live up to what I'd promised her, mm. you know? Like I was one of those guys that was like, oh yeah, like I'm really good. Like I'll, I will not lie to you. And you know, like yeah. mm, I got this, like, you know, and, um, and she believed me and she mm -hmm. believed in me. And, um, I just completely fucked her over. Right. Wow. Like I, I knew I was bisexual and I didn't tell her. Um, I, I knew that I was, and I stopped for a while when we started dating. Like I thought maybe it really was working. Mm. You know what I mean? Like being with the right woman, like was mm. actually working. I didn't feel compelled to hustle anymore. Like yeah. um, this is how it felt anyway in the first couple months. I was like, oh my God, like this, mm. this is working. And so I was just madly in love because I thought for sure this was the answer to my problem. Right. And then, wow. um, and then we start, we stayed together for, for a while and then we moved in together and, we moved in together to a place near the campus, the college campus, and uh, Mount Royal. And um, it was only a few months there, a couple months there, I think. Um, I can't remember the time frame. Uh, but she was the first, she was my first girlfriend who picked up on my drinking problem. Like, oh, really? She was the first girl who said, like, maybe you shouldn't have that beer. Oh, and, wow. and, I, I, and she only said it once but I remember it like it was yesterday yeah. and it was after I had some beers <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, she's like, maybe you shouldn't have that beer because we were having a conversation. Right. But of course it was a conversation that I was not going to win. Like I, yeah. I knew, I knew I was caught. And so it was kind of like, I wanted to get drunk because mm. I was ashamed. Make it go away. Make it go away. Exactly, man. Cause I had, I had come to learn that it wasn't like the thing went away, but this went away. Yeah. Like my, my, all the mental noise, that, that followed me with every time I was going to make any decision. I had so much mental anguish going on that as soon as I started drinking, it was gone. Mm. Like it was gone. I didn't care anymore. Yeah. I was like, I don't care, you know? Um, and so she was probably the first indication to me that I, I, I had maybe a drinking problem, mm. but that was a long time before I quit. Like yeah, it yeah. was a long time. And, uh, anyway, I, uh, yeah, I, I I totally fucked her over, broke her heart. Um, and then as time went on, obviously I'm going to go back and forth, but you know me, I'm not a linear thinker like in any yeah. respect. Um, <laughs> so the, you know, a couple of years went by. No, it wasn't even a couple of years. It was a year, a year after we broke up. And um, I when I broke up, I came out. That's what broke us up, right? So, yeah. and it just tore her up. And, and I obviously had i 
been a different human at that time, I probably would not have engaged in a relationship with her. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't a different human. And this is why I say sometimes when I talk today, I feel like a hypocrite, but I'm not suggesting that I have not done these things. Yeah. Right? Like I'm not. So yeah. if you're out there, like honest to God, I thought for the longest time I was the worst human on the planet for some of these things that I've done. And the reality is I was bad enough, but we're all human. And and we're all humans trying to figure this shit out. So like I, I don't I can't hold grudges on people anymore because I, I'm starting to understand how, how we get the way we get. For sure. Because not just myself, but from other people that I work with and stuff. But but obviously um that experiential um teaching is something that you can't get anywhere else mm -hmm. right like and and so anyway after a year out it wasn't even like a, yeah it was a year because within the year being out i got together with a woman and another woman mm -hmm. because i always wanted to solve the problem right yeah. even though i knew the problem couldn't be solved with a woman i just kept going to the well because I liked women and I, and yeah. frankly, I always have, and I probably always will. Yeah. Right. I, I find them, I find lots of reasons why I love women. Like there's so many sure. reasons. Right. So anyway, I went to this woman, I had this serious crush on, she was a police woman and definitely won't say names. Um, but, um, I went to her because I was terrified of being gay. Like I was terrified. Mm -hmm. And this was after I, so, Oh, yeah, I'll back up the train a little bit just for a couple minutes because before I got together with this woman, um, there was a period where I was out as, as a gay man. I tried it. Mm. I was like, okay, I'm gay. I'm going to be gay because I think that's what I have to be. Right. There's only one way to be. It's either gay or straight yeah. and that's it. You, cannot, you have to pick. Just so you know, that's what I was taught. Yeah. Okay? You have to pick. And you, you don't have to fucking do anything. <laughs> First of all, mm. you get to do what your heart says. So, um, and that's really what you should be doing. Unless your heart's telling you to hurt people, then don't hurt people. That just means your heart's broken yeah. and might need some healing. Um, but anyway, uh, I came out and I was like so relieved that I was out, like so relieved. I started hanging out with people in the community, the LGBTQ community and, um, you know, getting to know people. I started dating a guy and, and really nice guy and stuff. Nothing ever came of it because I just, there was something nagging at me nagging at me right like i yeah. i i i wanted to be gay because i thought okay i'm out now let's be gay because <laughs> yeah, yeah because it's it's you the hard part's over you know yeah. like it was so funny like when i came out i came out to my best friend dominic um first and mm -hmm. you've had you've met dominic yeah. a couple times yeah. and uh and uh i came out to him and he coming out to him gave me the courage to come out to my family because because nice. he was my best friend and he didn't even bat an eye. Yeah. Like he was like, oh, yeah. And he goes, right are you going to have sex with me? Are you going to try to have sex with me? And he was joking. And I said, well, no, why would I do that? That's not who we are together. Yeah. And, and he starts laughing. He goes, I know, I'm just fucking with you. Or something like that. He was trying yeah. to make me feel better, right? And, yeah, and lighten it up. And, and lighten it up because yeah. I was obviously like serious as a heart attack about well, it. Well, this could, this could be a big thing. You don't know. Well, either no matter what happened, it was a big thing. Yeah, like because like a month before, I had tried to take my life, right, right. Uh, again. Because I'm like, I can't fucking live with this, right? Like mm. that secret was eating me up, eating me up, eating me up. So anyway, um, 
he just was so loving to me. Uh, now he under he doesn't understand. Maybe lots of people don't understand why I feel the way I do about him, right? But there's lots of reasons. This is one of them, and the, it's because he was there, and he wasn't there as as some friend. He was there as my brother. Like we were legitimately, we had become brothers in a way that I had never experienced before. Mm-hmm. To the point where he literally didn't bat an eye. Wow! Like my actual my other brothers, like yeah. they didn't bat an eye. My yeah. parents, I mean, and I was terrified. My dad's an old preacher, man. Yeah. That that conversation, I dreaded it. I dreaded it. And and partially I dreaded it because I wasn't sure I was gay, mm-hmm. but I knew I liked men as well as women. But, but back then, that's 20 years ago, 21 years ago, yeah, yeah. it was a different climate. For right? sure. It was different. I mean, everybody assumed that when I got out of Mount Royal as a social worker that I was gay because they assumed... All men are gay social yeah. workers. Yeah. Much like all male nurses are must be gay. Like obviously right. that's not true, but yeah, yeah. this was something that was thrown about to us. It was like, yeah. um, how many guys were in my social work class at Mount Royal? I want to say there might have been twenty, mm-hmm. and I can't remember, but there was a few, couple hundred of us in the program. Yeah, and so I think twenty might have oh, been yeah, guys. Yeah. Or thirty or something like that, and like maybe I don't even think any of them that I know of were. were it's one out. of the few not male dominated. Totally. Students. Oh yeah. yeah, and and thankfully it's not. Yeah, we're like it's it's a good thing, like because it keeps it keeps it um, even, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like I, I really hope different occupations get this like more balanced. Yeah, because you're gonna what you're gonna come to understand is that it actually makes things better. For sure. Right. I mean, if you're a guy who might lose a little power over it, you might not be interested in that happening. But trust me when I say it's okay to lose some power. Yeah. yeah. Because you lose responsibility. Yeah. And it's not all about you. Yeah. And it's exactly. about everybody yeah. instead of just fucking you yeah, yeah. and your male penis whatever. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not hating on penises. <laughs> I like penises too. Um, oh, yeah. I won't get on that subject. <laughs> Because I could talk all night about penises. <laughs> okay, well that's another podcast. Okay, we're gonna ask something. Oh, I was just gonna say. So you're you you've come out. You're, I guess, living that way, mm-hmm. and then you go with this girlfriend. Yeah. So I about I'm living gay. Yeah. I'm living as a gay man. I'm living gay. I'm living the gay life, and uh, it was fabulous. It was a lot of fun, but yeah. I didn't um, I didn't connect to the person that I was dating. And then I had a really bad experience with another guy that I had been seeing. And the bad experience was, I mean, I say it was a bad experience because it was the first any experience I had with a man in that mm-hmm. environment where it was like, what? Why are you mad that I didn't call you? And, and like, right. so as a guy, I have been on that side of relationships for most of my life where, yeah. you know, we, prior to this gent, it was a, a lady or the last three ladies I was with that said, why didn't you call? Blah, yeah. blah, blah. And and it was interesting because I had to acknowledge the fact that I was differentiating based on gender, right? Yeah, yeah. Because with a lady, when a, when a woman would say that to me, I would respect her and talk about it. Mm. But when this guy said it to me, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like it came straight out of my mouth. And, and, and then of course I realized, oh man. Yeah. That's shitty, right? Like that, that's just big, this big difference in how I, but I've come to understand in the last 20 years is more and more, of course, that I have always treated women differently than men, always. And, and that, yeah. that's from my, how I was raised. 
It's how I was raised, not just in the home, but at church and all that kind of stuff, right? Society Um, in general. Society in general. And yeah, there's all these different like um, avenues that as a man, we get molded into a specific thing, right? And much more back then. Now, lots of there's lots of confusion. Well, people are confused only because they think they should understand everything. But as Neil deGrasse Tyson said, the universe is under no obligation to make sense to fucking anyone. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So here, here it was, and and I, um, so I come through that, and and I experienced this, and um, and then I realized, you know what? I don't think I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really attracted to this woman. This this woman yeah. that I met when I started doing loss prevention and she came to one of my calls um, when I caught a thief. Right. Which, if you're paying attention, you realize I was a fucking thief. <laughs> like we've come full circle Yeah, we've now. come full circle now, right? Yeah. So, we've well, we started to come full circle to the point where I'm recognizing that I don't want to be an adult going to jail all the time. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so, I mean, I'm still selling my body, but who's going to believe that people are paying for sex with me? Right. Like, I mean, I never it never occurred to me that was against the law. It always occurred to me that, no, if I'm standing on a corner, it's against the law. Right. Yeah. But if I'm where you are naturally and you happen to want me to suck your dick for 50 bucks, well, then you're going to say something that I'm going to suck your dick for 50 bucks. Wow. Back then. Yeah. 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 Don't get any ideas. (laughs) It costs inflation's about 200 bucks now. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 200. 200 for five minutes. Trust me. Not a fun five minutes. (laughs) Um, I'm just kidding. So anyway, I would I was doing that kind of stuff still, but so this 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 lady she comes in to take the information about the the person who I caught for stealing, and she was probably the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen at that mm. point. Like I was like, oh my god, she has long black hair, and it was up in a nice tight bun. You know how police women can do the tight buns, and they yeah. look so perfect. Like they they yeah. spent like their whole day getting that bun prepared. Mm. I've never been able to get a bun even close, dude. Like, and I've got long hair and I've tried because I kind of, sometimes I want to go in when I do parades with the police and have like the Princess Leia buns. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be really funny. (laughs) Um, I might do that for Halloween this year, maybe. And um, so anyway, I, I, I I, like had a crush on her immediately. Like I'd never seen her before and I had a crush immediately. And then within, I want to say within that year, no, I had met her before I came out. That's right. So she was in the back burner before then, um, mm-hmm. when I was still with my other partner before I came out. Mm-hmm. So this was all coming to, together. And uh, my buddy, Dom, yeah. then got hired by the police service. And so he was on. And you remember the G8 summit that was here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he was. they were working that. And oh, he nice. ended up working near this person, this, this lady. Yeah. And he put in a word me and she remembered me mm-hmm. and so i was like, oh sweet sweet nice. yeah so it was good or was it yeah like it wasn't good it was fucking terrible <laughs> it was i mean dom didn't know right like he yeah. had no idea man he uh he didn't know anything about her all, all we knew was that she worked really fucking hard like she was a hard charging police woman like mm-hmm. she was badass right yeah and you heard that from everyone yeah. nobody had a bad word to say about her in terms of her police work yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, um, but of course you get to know someone beyond their police work when you start dating them, right? Like, for and, sure. Yeah. So anyway, we, we did not 
connect right away. We were both like, I was pretty gun shy. I mean, I had been living as a gay man for like fucking four months or something like yeah. that. And, but this girl was worth to me, it was worth the fucking whatever confusion was going to happen. I was going to deal with it because I just thought I'm fucking head over heels. Right. Like yeah, yeah. she's fantastic. And, uh, and she was, she was beautiful, like perked hair. Uh, and it was black hair, like long black hair, which just yeah. like, oh, back then it was like, <laughs> Ooh, I think I, yeah, I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, we, we made a date, we went out on the first date and I'm not going to talk too much about the relationship because it's not really worth it. However, I will talk about the points of the relationship where I should have left and stayed. Yeah. And the reason I'm going to do that is because this is what I do as had had been doing as an alcoholic for most of my life, right? Was, oh, you've got a bunch of red flags. I really fucking like you, right? Mm. So we go out for this first first date, so to speak. But our date is we go to have coffee um, at a coffee shop in Kensington. It's not there anymore. It's where the Montre- Bank of Montreal is okay. on 10th and Kensington Road there. Yeah. used to be a coffee shop, Timothy's. Okay. And so we were, we were in Timothy's there having coffee. We were there for probably three and a half hours talking mm-hmm. we talked about everything well then we left we go outside mm-hmm. and we're saying goodbye and i feel sick like i'm like something's not right like i literally like we didn't even hug we shook hands and oh wow i know and i was like thrown off i'm like why do i feel fucking sick mm-hmm. right well obviously i came to learn why i felt sick is because my body was saying get the fuck away from this person Oh, wow. But I misread it and I decided, well, I should probably call her and tell her I'm excited and I was happy to meet her and spend some time talking to her and all that kind of stuff, even though I felt nauseous still. Wow. Like, and uh, so we got, we set up another date. We went for a a walk and I'm, fuck, I don't even know how to say this. I went to like, we were walking along the path and I went to put my arm, my hand on her elbow because I'm like, oh, why don't we go this way? And she goes, don't touch me. And I was like, okay. Wow. And and so, but of course, I, I was like giving her the benefit of the doubt, right? I'm yeah. like, well, obviously it's not me if something's wrong, yeah. right? Well, and something was wrong. A lot was wrong. She had a lot of untreated stuff that needed to be dealt with oh. that she hadn't dealt with, but I, none of my business, so did I, right? Like, yeah. so I just simply misread the sign as, oh, I should probably just give her more time. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, she'll be a nice human. She'll turn out to be this like loving, caring, all the things I'd imagined of her, right? Which were nothing from her. At no point in time did she ever say, I am the most loving, compassionate human you're ever going to meet. Matter of fact, if I remember correctly, she was pretty much trying to fucking ward me off, right? She was trying to give, she was giving me strong signals that now, even over the last 15 years of being sober, I easily would have determined. She was not interested, (laughs) right? That she really didn't like me. She was just kind of like interested in how much I liked her, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Which, of course, you don't learn that stuff until you get some experience. Unfortunately. The hindsight, too. The hindsight, that's right. Um, Can we pause, man? I got to pee. Yeah. Is that okay? Of course. How long are we? Everything about it was telling. So, were we recording? Yeah. Okay, good. We're good now. Okay, okay, we're good. Um, So, everything about dating this person was bad. Like every, honestly, every reaction that came from me to her was like, 
Yeah. Like it was always like that, but I still stayed. Like it was, it was so bad. Um, like I was so sick then. I just thought if I could just stay, she'll help me. Right. Again, mm. like I was still looking for help, eh? like trying to, yeah. to balance things. And, but of course, cause I went right back in the closet. Like basically, basically what she became was a way for me to disappear again. Mm. Right. And, and there was nothing I liked more than disappearing back then. In terms of whether I was physically disappearing or emotionally and intellectually disappearing on people, wow. right? Like, um, I I made great efforts to hide myself, and um, well, obviously, I, I yeah. uh, almost died trying to hide myself from myself. And uh, I guess it was trying to hide self from self. Right? Interesting. Anyway, um, she uh, she didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you have to know that she was just trying to get by on in her own way. Like, and she was sick in her own ways, just like I was really sick in my ways. And, um, so I don't blame her. Like, yeah, I want to make sure that's clear. Like I don't blame anyone for, for what's gone on in my life, except for mostly the decisions I've made. The ones that were made for me as a kid, I don't take responsibility for those because they're not mine. Right. But, um, as I got older and I started to act out of that pain, that's my responsibility. And, um, so for, you know, in terms of, how dishonest I was, even though I was not necessarily a hundred percent aware of how dishonest I was being, I, I take accountability for it because I was the one who was passing on this false image, right? This yeah. image of a guy that was still basically a high school football player. Wow. Just, and never wanted to be anything else because if I was a high school football player, at least people wouldn't think that I was gay. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and because I was so sure that, um, I was going to go to hell because of it. I figured if I denied it some more, because that's the thing about coming out, right? Like for mm-hmm. me, when I came out, um, I had a nice soft place to land because I had some friends that were a part of the community, mm-hmm. uh, but it was a small amount of friends and they yeah, weren't yeah. my close friends and they weren't like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't that, yeah. that deep connection that you have with other people, right? And for sure. that I had with, couple of other people mostly just dominic and then my other brothers greg and nate um and uh so anyway i uh it just got harder and harder to be there with her and Mm -hmm. it got harder and harder for lots of reasons like whatever was going on for her was starting to hit like a pitch we'll just i'll just say she was sick so Mm -hmm. she was dealing with her own stuff at the time and her own issues with uh with stuff and so I, one, one night, uh, she, no, one morning she had been working night shift and, and she, she left something for me and it was, it would have been obvious that I took it. Yeah. Right. And she left it there thinking that I was going to take it. Kind of like a trap. It was a trap. She was trying to trap me. She wasn't in that capacity. She wasn't a police officer. She was a human girl Mm -hmm. trying to trap me into something. Right. Um, but the, the reality was at that point in time, I, I smelled the trap and, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, I'm out. like I know what's happening. now." And um, wow. so when I wrote my first book, I'm going to jump ahead to that um, because in the first book, I, I tell the story as though she died. Right. Mm-hmm. Because what she had told me um, how she was going to commit suicide. This is what she would say when I would start to say I was going to leave. Oh. Right. She was smart too, so she would figure it out before I said the words. I'm I'm thinking about leaving. She would start telling me how she's going to do it, and and so over and over again, 
mm. over the course of a couple of weeks, I think it was. Like wow. Almost every night, if she would go back into it, well, this is how it would look. This is how it would be. Yeah, yeah. The water would run over the bathtub. And so in my book, I, I, I write the description as though it happened, right? And um, like, because I have lost a partner who wasn't like her partner, wasn't her, I lost another partner to suicide. We weren't yeah. together. Yeah. Like it just, it was somebody who I had been with yeah. and then, but she took her life. And so I kind of, because I didn't know how to, how to grieve for the one I actually lost. I turned this girl into the one I lost oh, okay. because I, I could grieve it somehow mm-hmm. by the time I got to the book, but that was years later. So, um, so anyway, I end up, um, I keep getting told over and over again that she's going to take her life if I leave. Right. And uh, again, I'm not stupid. This was the first time I heard that. I was like, yeah. pardon me. Like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> you know, this is such a played out thing. People do to each other. Like, yeah, yeah. and it's awful. Right. Like, right it's it really awful is, yeah. to do that. Somebody, um, but apparently it's not against a lot of be awful to each other. So yeah, there you go. Right. We can be awful without that being an issue. Yeah. Um, but it was awful. It's an awful thing to do. She's not an awful human. I, I don't know what she's like now. It, it's more back then. We were just two sick people, right? For sure. Trying to make it through. And neither of us had had good like relationships previously. Like we were not um, coming from a good place. Like, like I lied to her about like what I did in the army because mm-hmm. I was just like, I, I don't know why I did it. I do know why. I was fucking ashamed of who I was. Yeah. So I'll just tell, say it out loud. I was ashamed of who I was. So she wasn't the only one I lied to about it either. Like I would lie about that shit all the time when I was younger, right? Like yeah. just to get people to stop talking to me about it. Wow. Because I didn't know it was okay. I didn't know it was okay, man. I thought if you yeah. went in the army, you had to be in the army. Yeah, yeah. I thought if you if you went to work for golf, you had to work for golf forever, right? Like yeah, that's... Yeah. Just, Almost like you're a total failure now because you didn't. Because I didn't make because it. your knee fat, blew yeah, out. And, right. Yeah, and, yeah. and so, and of course, that's how I felt. And nobody made mm-hmm. me feel that way. That I didn't need anybody to help. No, me it's just that. your conversation. Yeah. yeah, that internal conversation, right? That yeah. that internal monologue. Sometimes is a dialogue. Just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Um. So anyway, I I there was just some really dumb things I did and said, um, but I again. It was a part of my patterns, right? So I uh, decided I was going to leave, and I had to leave. Like mm-hmm. I was fucking desperate to leave because I, I figured she lived on like a really high floor. Like every other night, towards the, like the last two or three weeks of being with her, I would go out on the balcony and lean over and just hope it would, oh, wow. would take me. Like I would just lean there and just let it blow, right? And, wow. And and I just I wished I wished I wasn't so heavy. <laughs> Jeez, that the wow. wind could have took me. Yeah, I do, man. I remember it. I was desperate. Like I, I would sit out on the on our deck, and it was minus fifty, and I'd sit out there and just smoke cigarette after cigarette wrapped in a fucking blanket, smoke, just wow. wanting to fucking die, right? Because it we it was awful. I don't know how she fucking survived, and I certainly don't know how I survived. Well, I survived by a strict drug regimen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't allow things to get in. So yeah, yeah. it was one of those like, hmm, I'm out. Yeah. So, But when I finally did leave, it was so funny. Um, I, I She never threatened me with a gun. So I'm going to make sure that's clear too. She never pulled it out yeah, and yeah. said, if you leave, I'm going to fucking shoot you. Yeah. But you have to understand the dynamics. I figured she was going to kill herself when I left. So I also thought it wasn't beyond the realm of possibility for her to kill me first. 
mm-hmm. and then yeah. yourself, right? Yeah. But that was all in my head. She didn't suggest that or anything. She just made inclinations that she might be willing to do certain sure. things, like push me off the balcony and shit like that. Um, <laughs> mind you, I would have thanked her on the way yeah. down. I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, I, I, I backed out of that apartment, fully expecting her to pull a gun and shoot me wow. on the way out. Yeah, yeah. And all I did was I packed, I left all my shit. I packed just a garbage bag full of my clothes. Wow. I didn't even want to come back for anything else. I did come back so for you literally like physically backed out of the apartment and like ran for the elevator. Yeah, dude. Oh wow. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And like the only the only thing I left her was like unorganized shoes at the front door. <laughs> she was O C D, so I would always fuck with the shoes when I came in. Oh wow. Yeah, I know. I was such a dick, dude. <laughs> See, I was such a dick, right? Like I totally deserved whatever happened. Um but uh anyway, so I did. I left finally and mm-hmm. <laughs> I left out another fucking part of this because I'm fucking embarrassed. Um, I broke up with her. So before I moved into her apartment, I broke up with her. And I broke up with her because I, if something was not right, I knew something wasn't right. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Yeah, yeah. And we were still living separately. So something had come to my mind and I just couldn't fucking handle the darkness that came with her. Like we both mm-hmm. had darkness that we just brought. You know when you get like too dark, like too yeah, like- Two black skies together make like a double black sky, right? Like, yeah, yeah. There's no stars. There's nothing. It's like that black hole, man. It's like yeah. a void, right? And that's basically what we did. That's how toxic it was. Um, so I broke up with her. I was fucking free and clear, man. And I'm saying this now because if you are in a situation where you break up with that person and you know you're supposed to break up with them, don't feel sentimental, man. And if you feel sentimental, don't take a bite on the hook because it's fucked. <laughs> I was like, I was having like this killer leg workout. Yeah. And I'm, cause I'm so jacked now. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. I'm out. I'm free. I'm going to go find me some dick and then I'm going to find me some butt. And I'm like, I'm going to go have some fun. Right. Yeah, I'm yeah. so stoked. And I'm having this wicked workout. And then she calls and I don't answer it. Cause I'm like, nope, no, 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 no. I'm not answering that shit. And so I didn't answer it, but I answered it later. And wouldn't you know it, within two or three days, I was moving into her house, wow. her apartment. Yeah. That's, I mean, I was so pathological, man, that like if you could almost like probably start your watch to it or set your watch to it. Like it was yeah. just like, I'm sure back then Dom must have just thought I was fucking bananas. Like he, cause he's wow. so stable, hey? And yeah, yeah. And he's always been stable, like for the most part, right? Yeah. We've had some fun together too, but like the unstable fun, I mean. Yeah. We've had other fun too, but. Um, just been so stable and, and like I, I thought for sure um, it was the right thing to do is to move back in there right and then of course he's like I'm sure Dom must have been like the fuck are you doing like but of course we were young you get yeah, hang you gotta live your life and you gotta live your life yeah. right and you gotta find you gotta find your shit and find what works for you and uh, so then I, I move in mm-hmm. and and it was just a fucking disaster I could not be who I was. Another important thing about this particular person is that I almost fucking disowned my family over this chick. So when we, when you hear things about people who walk away from their families because of like their, their partner, whatever that looks like, um, I get it. I get it, man. Like I didn't do it. Thankfully, thankfully. Um, but I did things purposely to like hurt my dad. Right. And my, and Mm -hmm. my mom and, and you know, like, 
and it was my little brother actually who probably salvaged everything. He just said to mom and dad, he said, you just got to give him time. He's going to mm-hmm. be fine and he's going to be back. Like, you yeah. know, Dave, he's not, this is not forever. And yeah. he was right. Like he was fucking right. And, uh, um, thankfully, thankfully something intervened and I just had to get the fuck away from that, that human. And I, mm-hmm. I knew that if I didn't get away from that human, I was gone. Like I was yeah, yeah. totally gone. And, um, it was our relationship was so bad that I saw her everywhere for five years afterwards. Oh like, wow! Like, it was so toxic, man. Like, like when you go to the mall, type thing, you, dude. You'd look think in you'd a see her. look in a window, you see a reflection. Like you know how they do movies like that, where yeah, you yeah. think you see a ghost. Like I know you you know what I'm talking about because yeah, yeah. You, you and I both recognize there is a seen and unseen world that we're a part of for right? sure. Yeah, and, and so. Anyway, I'm not sure if it was actually there or if it was just my mind creating this image, mm-hmm. which it really doesn't matter because it seemed like she was there. So, yeah. so for um, five years, you're haunted by... Haunted. Dude, I was so haunted in the first like six months after we broke up that I went to fucking Italy to get away from here. Like I went to wow. Italy. I, I pulled the old... My older brother was working in Italy um, mm-hmm. on an American army base. And so he was doing contract stuff there. And so I went and lived with him. And I think I lived with him for two months, maybe three months. Oh wow! Um, and I just, I just, everything blew up, man. When yeah. when I when I left her, everything blew up. My fucking job blew up. And by that I mean I blew it up. I just fucking quit. I just yeah, like, yeah. And it was a job I loved. You know, it was in from the cold, and I loved that place. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time. And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.